Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Hello, hello. How are you doing, sir? Good hey. to see you. Can you hear me loud and clear, brother? You got the one too? Yes, I can. You have the same book as me. Yeah, I do. Right here. What's, what's up with that? They let you have a copy <laughs> of your own book? <laughs> oh, fascism, yeah. I tell you. Fascism. I don't okay, know. Are, are you, okay, are you not familiar with what being an author entails? which is you're wanting to go to things and like show people books and, you know, get people uh, books out to people. So you buy like a case of them and they like sit in your house for like years. So I have many of these floating around the house. I should have just had you sign one and send it to me instead of going through Amazon. Oh, that that's okay. It's, it's completely fine. Next Actually, time. It's, it, you go through Amazon, it kicks up the sales rank. You know, that's yes, good too. Yes, it does. And then I can leave a review and girls can flock to your house and stalk you. Well, you'd like to think, right? Or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I, as soon as I got it, it, it was delayed, of course, because I don't know. There's something happening in the world that, I, that no one understands. But um, I noticed as soon as I got it, the first thing you say is, uh, is like, this is really good for continuing on. And I, was, I really wanted to get your Heptarchia book first more because that's something I know less about. But mm -hmm. I was like, this would be more be preliminary for people to learn about. But I was completely wrong. I should have got the Heptarchia, read through that, and then had a talk with you about that. And, but this is how the cookie crumbled. So it is. We are, yeah, we'll have to continue to do that another time. And uh, right, you know, right off the bat, I'm very struck by your writing style. It's very, very nice. Very nice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well done. And are you are you in fact a programmer? I, I did your whole master class of Enochian with uh, um know, yes, I'm I'm a senior software developer. Um currently, yeah, currently I work for one of the divisions of United Health Group out here in Minnesota. But I mean I'm a contractor, I jump around a little bit, I do consulting and stuff like yeah. that. We we go where um, the work is, don't we? 
Well, yeah. And I mean, it's like, I love to be able to, you know, make a living as a writer, but you know, who could do that? Right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Some, some folks, I guess. Yeah. No, we have to multitask in life and that's, that's how it is. I'm a Celtic musician. Like I play in Celtic bands. Oh, cool. Usually, you know, I get, they need, a band needs to become Celtic. And so they call me and I bring seven Celtic instruments, instruments and alternate between them throughout songs, flutes, bagpipes, you name it, like singing Gaelic and stuff. Make I make a regular band Celtic when they add me. So Wow, that, that's, that's cool. A, it's a good way to do it, though, because, you know, you can charge them for it. And that, that's where uh, that's where that plan works. But well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're a uh, Enochian author of Enochian uh, Magic. I did the course, uh, Jason Newcomb's course. I was really early on in COVID. I wanted to brush up because I'm from the Golden Dawn system, pretty mm-hmm. hardcore. Um, and I love you know, doing what I do, but I also love learning more and doing different things. So mm-hmm. what was great about Jason Newcomb's little seven-day intensive was it, it did let me sharpen the saw. And wh- as well as it was the treat, it was several treats and of course, you, you, Aaron Leach, Jason Newcomb, and uh, there was no Ashy, right? Ashy Chassie wasn't there. That was the Goetia. No, thing. right. Yeah, so yeah. He, he was. He was in the Goetia thing. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's, um, he's he's a scattered guy. He doesn't focus on anything till perfection. So, yeah, best he wasn't in Enochian, right? I'm just messing. I uh, no no clue actually. I I actually don't don't know much besides what I see online. I don't know if he's done a Nokian work or not. So uh, yeah, say. So, uh, I don't know if I asked him too much about that when I just talked to him, but uh, uh, maybe next time. Yeah, he he definitely is a master and and really takes things to their extreme. So it's good to talk to people like that and and get the in depth stuff. But the the survey cra- class was great from Newcomb because it it had Aaron Leach who knows Golden Dawn system. None of you talked mm-hmm. about Bond system, which was perfect. That was the last thing I wanted to hear anything about. Mm-hmm. So Aaron Leach, you know, is the, in the Golden Dawn system taught the D purist system, if you can call it that. Mm-hmm. I'm wrong. And then you, of course, come from the Thelemic OTO world, but also you very much consider yourself probably a, a specialist in Enochian magic, and you like to focus on knowing all of that. One of the remarkable things in, in your book is what this, the way you talk about the golden dawn system it's it's sort of surprising actually and i was very refreshed to hear that coming from one of mm-hmm. my thelemic brethren uh okay you know i'm not thelemic at all uh i i'm not into it's just not my religion right but mm-hmm. i have i i really i love i love that the fact that there's a magical religion out there and it's very popular of course because that really helps us all like you point out in your book one of the things we yeah need i to think do so as magicians is share our results with each other and test yeah. things out in the fields of probability. Um, is that the is that the computer programmer in you that that has that approach, or or is it just uh, w- w- tell me tell me something about that? All right, so some of it has to do with you know that you know I work in the information technology field. Um, some of it is also my college degree. I majored in experimental psychology, so I've studied you know statistics and then like you know neuropsychology, psychopharmacology, neuroscience, that kind of stuff. Mm. And the experimental psychology approach is interesting because experimental psychology is a super paranoid discipline. I don't know Are if you you've ever like guys that like puts freshmen in cages and electroshocks them. No. Are you like the guy? That's are you? Are that's you like Bill Murray? That's Bill Murray. You're not like Bill Murray yeah. in Ghostbusters, like shocking the dude to pick up a girl. 
No, <laughs> never didn't. You, never you, did an experiment like that. You and of course, you know, I went to college after the movie, so of course, everyone would have, would have recognized it. Yeah, yeah, you're actually older than you than you look, I'd say, uh, by quite a bit. I was pretty sure when I I saw you in the the video masterclass course, um, which I'll I'll put a link under that, underneath that for mm -hmm. those folks who want to do that class. Plus, it's an affiliate link, so help me out. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, me and newcomer tight. Uh, <laughs> but okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I, I love the magical world that uh, I've woken up to. I went to sleep for a while, like Rip Van Winkle into a Celtic fairy dream. And when I when I mm -hmm. came back from Ireland and woke up, it was like, wow, Peterson, uh, uh, Skinner, Ashton Chassan, you, everyone's public and doing all this stuff, Aaron Leach. And it's mm -hmm. just fabulous. Like, you're really like, oh, thank God I sort of ignored shit for a while because now there's really something to sink my teeth into. <laughs> well, there I'm, you go. I'm a fellow university guy like you. I take a very, I like having a scholarly approach to these things, especially my magic. So, um, mm -hmm. but okay. So the deal is with experimental psychology, they're absolutely paranoid about being called not a real science. So it's like you're experimental psychologist. You never violate the scientific method ever you don't do anything speculative if you're going to look at something that has to do with anything internal like psychology or whatever get your sample size make sure the sample size is big enough get your data do your probability analysis make sure your confidence intervals are right and they hammer this into you so some of it comes from that background too is that you know and i also know that you know the stuff that i've done experimentally you know i don't really have the kind of sample size that i could submit to you know anything academic they'd be like well that that could be spurious and it's like i don't have i i couldn't put like a 95 percent confidence interval or something on my magical experiments i just don't have enough of them you know and i don't have enough individual mm -hmm. practitioners and we, you know, I mentioned, I think on the other podcast, the idea of having a consciousness measure, that's what we really need. If you had a little device, you could like just put it on your head and it measured what your state of consciousness was according to some scale. Um, well, then what you could do is you could look at probability shift resulting from a magical operation, correlate that back to consciousness state. And then if you'd map those two together, that would allow you to do it with a smaller sample size, but we don't have that mm. instrument. So we, we have like to look a, at it. We need like a, Auto, like a battery powered psych psychometric tehalin or tehaline. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. It is possible that Combined we may with be a getting. GoPro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, it, we may be getting to the point where we're going to be able to do something like that with EEG, as the EEG mm -hmm. stuff, especially the consumer stuff, is continuing to get better. Okay. And um, if we so had you stay a up to date on this stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. A lot of people get their undergrad and then you know, use it as kindling for their oh, yeah, welfare no, check. like, <laughs> you know, no. but yeah, so you, so tell me more about what the, the consumer stuff that's coming out. Yeah. Okay. So um, there's a company, the company I'm most familiar with is called Emotive. And what Emotive is making is, is now they've, they've moved into, they, they made like an old, an old headset called the Epoch um like what five to seven years ago i think and the epic it's a straight eeg so it just says collective brain waves um i kept put forth a model of magic involving brain waves in a manuscript that was never published back in 2006 and okay. it turns out that collective brain waves are practically useless because what they discovered is that well if you're just doing an aggregate of the entire brain 
it's like, well, but I mean, there's different areas where you have spiring, you know, upregulated and downregulated, and you have to have this, this axial positioning sensor in your EEG to tell where in the brain the wave pattern is occurring. And I mean, that technology and, and so back, yeah, I think I mentioned this in the other podcast too. The research I did was based on a book called Zen in the Brain by James Austin. And that was where I was looking at aggregate brain waves based on research they were doing with meditators uh, before about 1999. And then in 2008, you know, I wrote up this model in 2006, 2008, James Austin, the same author comes out with a book called Zen Brain Reflections. And he says, well, here's all the stuff that the research wasn't really right on in the book. And I'm like, oh, let's see, I based it on this and this and this and this and this. And it's like, boy, I'm glad I didn't, didn't publish that. I would have been embarrassed. <laughs> so, you know, ah, uh, but yeah, the yeah. positioning thing is really key. So sounds like um, you'd get along with Donald Tyson. Um, his Nokia apocalypse thing is a little sad, but other than that, oh, we'll have to get back to that later, but it's not worth focusing yeah, I know. on I, I, <laughs> He's I, just I, a crazy Canuck. He's another, he's another, yeah. crazy like, <laughs> that's Canadians, man. I will Rather do the can response. I will do the can thing though. All right. So comes out with a book. Tetragrammaton says, a Nokian magic, if it's done, could destroy the world. And what's the next book he publishes? A Nokian magic for beginners. I'm like, are you a super villain or are you clueless? I had a student once, uh, this really lovely older, older lady uh, who I love very much. And uh, she's still kicking, I think. And uh, you're here, uh, she uh, in Theoricus, I think she came to me. She's like, Pater, Pater, look what I have got. And it was Tyson's Enochian Magic for Beyond. She's like, See, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, you don't want to look at read that right now. Like, you're having you're in an active Golden Dawn Temple with classes mm-hmm. multiple times a week. Go through that system and do Enochian when you get it in the grades because you don't want to like focus on something else where you're part of a vibrant temple with over 100 members doing crazy shit all the time that's take advantage of that don't dive into enochian magic which comes in later on in in the golden dawn and she was like but it said it's for beginners and i am a beginner and i was like <laughs> my heart melted of course i'm like oh that is the sweetest thing i've ever heard she's a hardcore lady too she's definitely could be uh-huh. spiritually judgmental of what's right and wrong and very you know french uh-huh. french not french canadian french french and uh but she did put it aside and i was glad because i didn't even want to have to explain the whole apocalypse thing because he somehow managed for folks listening donald tyson somehow managed to realize that that enochian magic was about ushering in the apocalypse um and a lot of people bought into that idea um my old roommate who now runs uh pasileski's gd order he really was into that and then yeah he comes up with enochian magic for beginners (laughs) as if like hey let's Let's make the end come. I don't know what Tyson was thinking. Though he does seem like a cool guy I could talk magic with. Like, have you ever talked to him? Um, I haven't talked to him in person. I mean, I have his editions of Agrippa. I mean, he's a good researcher. Yeah. It just seems like, it just seems like every so often he goes off into this, just some really odd conclusions like that. Well, you mentioned that as being the danger of, uh, of certain, uh, of focusing on either uh, theurgy or thaumaturgy and magic, uh, that it can lead you to just believing all these personal uh, titles and, and spiritual virtues. You can believe that mm-hmm. you're special, more, you're, you're, you know, all animals are yeah. equal, some animals are more equal than others. And you're one of those special animals. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then 
we've all yeah, seen I like happen. to I like to joke about people who should say I contacted the Enochian angels and they told me that I am like the special person who's gonna usher in the new age of the era and I had to get serious and get in with the work and like yeah they tell everybody that <laughs> that's great great <laughs> like we <laughs> we need you we need you <laughs> the aethers need you that's right uh, oh it's uh it's so uh beautiful to think of it that way um it, it's a it's a common trend though um and i i can my academic background is i actually thought experimental psychology would really refer to the flimsiest form of psychology imaginable but you're as you're saying it's actually one that really errs on the side of, side of hard science now of course i did my master's in divinity so I'm also into hard sciences since theology is the queen of the sciences and very, <laughs> very rooted in analytical, uh, empirical facts. Uh, well, Thelemus, scientific illuminism, the method exactly. of science, the aim of religion. Come on, man, you know. Exactly. So when we talk about theurgy and thaumaturgy, I love that you mentioned that it's talk about it like it's two sides of the same corn or it's, mm -hmm. it's like I like it, look at it as the, the figure eight Ouroboros. You know, you know, the, what goes up must come down and manifesting up and down. But it's it was really awesome that you pointed out some of the errors of just focusing on one or the other. Mm -hmm. And you talked about how hoodoo is a, a syncretic form of thaumaturgical practices that work mm -hmm. primarily. Do, what, what do you think about the fact that in Martinism, I've heard from my Martinist friends, there there's an oath they take against ever practicing thaumaturgy and only practicing theurgy. Have you ever thought about that? Like it, it just occurred to um, me reading you. I've. I've been, I'm familiar with the idea. Um, it's something that I would never do yeah. personally yeah. because I use magic for everything. I use practical magic for everything in my life. And it's like, I use thaumaturgy whenever, you know, whenever I want something, I mean, seriously. So it's like, I, I would never swear any sort of an oath about, you know, doing that. Um, there are some magical orders who they don't make you swear an oath against thaumaturgy, but they make you swear an oath that you'll never use negative magic. I wouldn't swear that one either. It's like, you know, I generally find it is far more, a far more effective application for me in my life with my magical practice to do operations to make my life better instead of like setting out curses that's going to make other people's life worse. I mean, that seems like a lot of wasted effort to me. On yeah. the other hand, you Plus, know, who are I, you, Stanley Kubrick? <laughs> yeah. And on the other hand, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, I'm not going to swear that I'll never do something like that. There are situations that happen in life where some sort of a negative magical force is necessary. If nothing else, I mean, you know, self-defense situations. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be in a situation where, you know, somebody is sending something negative at me and oh but i can't do anything to retaliate against them because i've sworn some sort of an oath yeah. you're, you're winding it being in the position of like somebody who does judo okay yeah. you know so somebody comes at you in judo and you throw them then they get up and come at you again and you throw them and they come at you again and you throw and that's basically all you could do in judo well yeah it's like in, in austin powers where he does judo chops yeah. it's funny because there are no chops in judo <laughs> I never thought about that. That's true. Yeah, I, I do ninjutsu like Ashen Chasan, and it's usually it's similar to to the Jew arts because it's mostly about uh, you know getting them down and then mm -hmm. running away though. In ninjutsu, it's like judo, but then you it adds this brilliant insight of then running away. So you go, <laughs> there you oh, go. you're down. Run away. That's ninjutsu in a nutshell. But okay. and, if, and if you if you know Good and also know. we focus on throwing them down in the worst way possible and if you can get your thumb through their eye hole in the process probably a good idea too especially if they're armed with a gun or a knife just like you know 
gouge mm-hmm. them and kill them. Sure. Because it's, it's not a martial art. It's a fucking martial technique to not be killed. And in magic... Yeah, I mean, course, it's in basically the, like Japanese guerrilla fighting, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? I mean, that's my yeah. understanding that's of why, it. Yeah. That's why things like Krav Maga and a lot of that other really street fighty stuff is very... very in, takes a lot from it. Phil Lagar, who was mm-hmm. the head of the ninjutsu school I was under, he trained CIA people because they need to just learn mm-hmm. how to be effective. So um, in Golden Dawn, of course, we are one of those groups that take a vow against doing magic to other people. Unlike Thelemites and OTO, there's no vow, I think, inhibiting black magic, as you would say. But we do get around, yeah. it, of course, with things like sendbacks and other little ways of keeping ourselves safe, let's say. But we're definitely oh, yeah. prohibited from like outright cursing people or sending mm-hmm. demons at someone though i so i don't know what mathers and crowley were thinking in that paris apartment that night who knows they're okay so so, so question um are you allowed to build an autocannon talisman okay so <laughs> mars and saturn are cursed right so okay so ta- <laughs> so let's do a mars one take a piece of iron engrave it you know and stuff like that kajura kajura up you know zamael to empower it and stuff and what you have to empower the talisman to do is intercept all magical attacks and your sphere of influence coming my direction then amplify it and send it back to the person who sent it would you be allowed to make one of those yeah yeah because that would be equivalent to a send back ritual there's a send back okay. ritual in the golden okay then we have know. other things like we have things like ritual five which as you can imagine mm-hmm. from the number is pretty hardcore and then mm-hmm. there's things that certain orders have developed of course like every order that does good work develops good mm-hmm. techniques and you know i've learned a lot of those things and some of them you, you they work because you try them out and they work you know sometimes mm-hmm. it works yep. face to face and you know you that's okay especially it's really very much i think the difference is uh you know just waking up one day and being like deciding to being david griffin and deciding to curse ea curting <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, or versus you or know, i'm going to protect donald trump by taking out all the curses yes, against him yes, yes. and then, then, then he's out there then he's out there which has wrecked my car which has yeah. killed my dog yeah so you i'm know? not i'm not when i go out if i go after, if i was to go after griffin it's not by doing something like that it's by just simply using his own force against him and redirecting it for example while we like were doing letting him it, talk t- well yeah <laughs> Anyway. I, I knew you and me were gonna have fun man um no but it, it's more like redirecting his own energy we were doing an initiation right hootie 20 years ago he broke in through the front door and assaulted our phylax we all had to get pulled <laughs> out of the temple so my my magic against him is just letting people know what he did that's mm. all it takes right like yeah what else do you want to show that someone's a fucking douchebag than yeah. to just tell people the douchey thing he did right we all do douchey mm-hmm. things and that deserve forgiveness heaven forbid but but this guy keeps doing them and yeah so i so i actually so i wrote a novel called trump card oh about er, early in the, oh yeah early in the trump administration and so one of the one of the main villains in there is david godfrey who is very clearly based on david griffin just so you know oh, you might want to pick up the copy yeah. oh i will i swear <laughs> I will read that book if you <laughs> promise to come talk to me about it afterwards and help me read oh, sure. brain back together again because I'm sure it'll mangle it just a little bit. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he's 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 the leader of the sons of Keck who are trying to like control the world by deploying the meme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm down with that, brother. I got a signed copy of 12 Rules for Life right here. Well, there you go. <laughs> go Canada. I know people right. get mad at me for just having that book. I haven't read it yeah. yet, but they're mad at me for just having it. And you know what, though? Here's the thing. And I'll, this is magic without fears, not magic without tears. 
So right, this is, yeah. Lots of tears. I'm sure many people sit there every night listening to this podcast, crying with a box of tissues and a bowl of ice cream, <laughs> you know, masturbating, using their tears as lubricant. But it's magic without fears. So, mm-hmm. like, we're going to talk about whatever we're going to talk about. And if someone tells me not to talk to someone or not to read a book, come on. That's yeah. how you guarantee I'm going to do it. I got a first degree Scorpio Senate. What the fuck do you want from an Aquarius? Yeah, no, I'm a progressive. I can't stand Peterson. I'm not going to tell you to not read it. Read right, it. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm like, I've, I just said this the other day, the clergy in Canada technically aren't legally allowed to talk politics. I don't know if you knew that, but okay. you know, free, free country and stuff. But like, no, yeah, I didn't. Well, I, I've always voted NDP, except for that one time I voted for this pretty guy named Trudeau. I regret that. But I've always voted NDP, which is radical left. But mm-hmm. um, I, I like everything Peterson said online, but that's another issue. You know, I'm not a white supremacist. I just haven't my, seen so, problems with it. It's like a psychologist. My, my main trying my main to issue. get in, trying to understand uh, things that he hasn't really studied. And sometimes mm-hmm. he says things that are insightful. And sometimes I'm like, as a theologian, you can imagine how I feel about a lot of the stuff he says. And it's like, you know, okay, a little, it's okay. What are you gonna yeah. say? Two things off the top of my head. He is very much, everything I don't like is Marxism. And that's silly. Marxism has specific characteristics. Oh, yeah. And second of all, um, he does so much of his stuff coming out of the Jungian model. And I was a Jungian when I was in college. For a long time, um, you, the, none of the psychoanalytic models survive what we've discovered about the way memory works. They all fall apart. And so it's like, if that's not the case, it's like then, all right, you've got you, the whole system you're basing your, what you're talking about on has been completely undermined. And if you're not aware of that, yes. you're going to get to some bad conclusions. Yeah. Now, Jung's mystical work is still interesting, like the Red Book and the some Red of that Book. stuff. But Book. from the standpoint of science and, you know, mind science, really the psychoanalytic model was based on some bad assumptions that have been shown to be incorrect. Yeah. I'm a big reader, a big fan still of, of Henri Bergson. Um, uh, he's overworked mm-hmm. a lot because he wrote a lot on matter and memory and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And he was, of course, the brother of Moyna Mathers. And mm-hmm. uh, but he didn't hang out with them much in Paris. Apparently, he didn't really like uh, Samuel. But you know, I think that's because he, uh, you know, didn't like their lifestyle. I think that Moyna was Sam's beard, and that okay, I think, well, I think could have been gay. And they were. It was. I think it's obvious that she was gay. He was gay. They're like, yo, let's get married, married, and we'll be safe. Because look what happened to Oscar. And that's what well, I, I mean, it was done in the time. It's like, you know, stuff you got to do when homosexuality is it, illegal. It yeah, a way simpler explanation than some of the explanations I've heard, like the ones Zinc used to tell me. I was like, I'd be like, nah, that's crazy. And then you get older and you live more through life and you're like, they're probably just gay and just like helping each other not go to jail. Like, you know, why did Mads mm-hmm. want to go to Paris to have fun with a bunch of Parisian lads? You know, probably. I don't mm-hmm. know. We don't, we'll never know, will we, though, unless yeah. uh, we summon their ghosts. But that's another thing. Um, mm-hmm. What's the chances um, that you, if I said, so when you go into the temple and you do your LBRP and then you do mm-hmm. an LIRH or you use the mm-hmm. Crowley's rubies and sapphire, maybe mm-hmm. you use your AOVS. AOVIA. Oh, AOVIA. I like that at the end as a yeah, it's Aovei and Madriox, or how you say those, or how and I it, say those. But, but you've capitalized at the end of that word, the Aovei, mm-hmm. A. You've capitalized the A. And I figure that's because mm-hmm. you want people to know that it's going to be more effective for a Canadian to use than an American. 
Oh, well, you know, I had not thought of that. But, you know, the magical work, serendipity could be. <laughs> We're getting a little chaos. M magic mysterious on it, on forces it. acting through us, Amen. you know, or something like that. Right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So so you would go into your th thing, because even on the master class, which I think the master class is properly named, but also it could just as be easily called that seven day course as an mm -hmm. introduction, because mm -hmm. after I did, the reason I recommend it is because I'd rather before I would do a Nokian work with someone, I'd rather them watch that, like study that whole seven day mm -hmm. thing. Then we have like some very laid out common knowledge for us all to right. touch base on rather than me like have to replicate three hours a day for, you know, it would take a long <laughs> yeah. time for one person mm -hmm. replicating that all for students all the time. So do the seven day master class. You got Stanwick, you got Aaron Leach and you got Newcomb, and, and that's a great mm -hmm. review, a great of the terrain. It shows the terrain, but it doesn't show Golden Dawn Mad uh, Nokian at mm -hmm. all, which is perfect for people I work with because that's what I know. And that's well, Jason's Jason's is pretty similar to Golden yeah, Dawn, he's, isn't he's, it? He's very similar. He's very hybridy and uh, and fun. Yeah, for sure. So when you go mm -hmm. into the temple, you create that field, and I like how I, I'm going to experiment with your idea of the LBRP mixed with the LIRH. Um, because that's an interesting uh -huh. idea that I, I'm definitely going to experiment with. And I'm going to experiment with your, uh, with your uh, A, your Nokian A ritual. Uh -huh. I, 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 and uh, yeah. I'm really curious about that, actually. All, instantly, of course, I had some ideas about how I could do it. And obviously, I'll, I'll use the uh, Golden Dawn Kings that I would use. Though, right. You, you would you would want to change the order to line up just, with the Golden Dawn Just system. that those two kings are switched. Um, the mm -hmm. secret names of God, most Golden Dawn groups I know use the same as, as you're recommending, right? Like yeah, uh, no, it switches the full tablet, so it switches the three names of God and the Kings. Yeah, well, we, I, for West, for the for the West, you're talking just we're just talking West and South here, right? Yeah. Um. Mpehe. Yes. With so yeah. yes, swapping uh, swapping air and fire. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I I in the Golden Dawn I learned Mpehe with Ragiosol and and uh, Oipe. Right with Edoperna. Yeah, right. And the it's like the kings and the three names, you know, they, they line up the same way. But right. it's just, you know, it's like the, the tablets are switched because I'm going off Resensa and my own interpretation of a couple of D's visions to ascribe the elements rather than how the GD did it. Yeah, so that let's touch on that briefly because that's really interesting that you took the time and this is just something that's worthy of thanks and praise that you took the time to experiment with all of the different formulations of the, the great table and you you found and concluded after and you're a pr programmer with experimental psych mm -hmm. background so you probably did this like it makes sense to me that rather than retest everything you did just sort of maybe take your word for a bit mm -hmm. of it, at least a little bit of it especially since i like your results <laughs> and that's always a good test of mm -hmm. whether something's true or not is whether you like it <laughs> um and you mm -hmm. came to the conclusion that the uh, tabula recensa or recensa or recensa is yep the most effective for you. Yeah, right? the reformed 1587, the final version. Yeah, and that's the one I've always tend to work with. I think I think most of us in, in the Golden Dawn uh, have, have moved to that um, or a slight blending of that. Okay. Most of us don't work with the, the, the pyramidal letterings just because it's too much extra hassle. Yeah, I, I never got into it. that either. Like, it's like you, some places, some people will make them because it's fun and looks sort of cool, but yeah. 
Do we, it's do good. We it's good more? for trying to memorize how the concourse of forces is put together because it shows like yeah. the colors on the different sides and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't really. I haven't really worked with that system a whole lot. It's like yeah. I basically went from GD style stuff with the Schulers back in like 1991 pretty quickly into more of a diary oriented perspective. Awesome. With uh, back then, it was Casabon and Jeffrey James is what you had basically. Yeah, I mean, I started, I did my first Enochian magic um, from Don and Michael Craig in 93, 94. Mm -hmm. So been playing with it like yourself a very long time. Um, and yeah, you did conclude that the Richenso is the, the most effective, but that this, the second most effective was the Golden Dawn system in Europe. Yeah, which is, which, which is interesting. To have that come out of a OTO Thelemite bro like you, I was like, mm -hmm. that's really respectable because, you know, many thelemites might be inclined to put that last just as a little fuck you um well and, and it was weird because tyson's tyson's swap seemed to really screw things up with the table of tyson and it's just recenso with some of the tablets moved around and it's like why would that be different well it is yeah. I, I don't know i don't have an explanation for that it's interesting and to be clear folks listening uh donald tyson actually did call his tablet his table the table of tyson that's not something you were just dissing him on yes calls, it's the great table of tyson and he did it by here's here's Resenza, and i'm going to swap this quadrant and that quadrant and now it's mine that's basically and, what he did so he, we those could, were the only changes he made we could con con we could <laughs> conclude from that 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 is the switch necessary to bring about the apocalypse <laughs> well see i don't think so because his whole idea of the apocalypse right is like the millerite apocalypse idea that you see today and this Millerite, Millerite apocalypse, yeah, the Millerites from, from the 1840s. I thought you were going to say like Jason. Uh, no, 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 not Jason Miller. <laughs> no, William Miller, who is the founder okay. of the Millerite religion in the, during the Second Great Awakening in the mid 1800s. Mm. He was the guy who figured out dispensationalism. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to find the date and time of the apocalypse. Yep. And, you know, so on the day, you know, in 1840, they went to this park in upstate New York and they wore these robes and like some of them stood on rocks and attempted to fly all day i mean it was just bizarre and so but so i didn't worry about says wait i made a mistake with the calculation actually it's this date and so like eight eight or nine years later many fewer followers did the same thing and it still didn't work and but the millerite religion split into denominations like the jehovah's witnesses the seventh day adventists yes. and some of the other religions that are around today yeah. um, and their idea of the apocalypse of you know like they with the rapture and all that kind of stuff much of the many of those apocalyptic ideas are just there they were things that miller came up with i mean in the 1500s yeah. that's not how d would be thinking of it at all it's not how elizabethan people would have seen it so it's just it's i i think some of it is trying to take shoehorn this modern idea yeah into something that really doesn't fit the period but it is true that there's a lot of did, apocalyptic imagery in the keys did you and you oh go ahead no, sorry no. I was just going to quick little sorry don't forget where you are please but did you notice that retro sort of uh, etiological thinking uh in uh, uh influence uh the d book by jason louve um i have not read the d book okay, by jason well. louve you're in for i find yeah i i actually i i a lot of his stuff i see online is just like whatever oh, well. he has a fun <laughs> but, section on katie yeah. perry as the horror of babylon like okay um but yeah, anyway it's, it's it's a fun uh, it's a fun book i enjoyed reading it um i did and i i, I think Lou's Lou's an 
you know. Okay. Well, I mean, so I'll whatever. I'll check it out. It's, I I actually, you know what? I actually do have a copy of it that I yeah. have not read. Well, so, especially the first bit um, where he's talking about D, he does. He, you know, it's always fun to hear about D's life, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, it's a it's a beautiful time. With he was a real fascinating that. guy. Yeah. And so, you know, he does, he tells that story in a fun way, in a beautiful way. Okay. And that's, that's, cool. that's nice. Um, later on to the Crowley dispensationalist sort of stuff where, you know, it's not just a study of dispensationalism, but start, it starts to read us into that dispensationalism. Like this. Is right. Maybe. Then I'm, that's where I'm like, okay, that's a little eisegetical for me, but, um, but more power to you. Yeah. I mean, so, it, and it was, it was funny too, with Tyson on that. So first he published a Tetragrammaton. Okay, which is Tetragrammaton is his book where he first, you know, laid this idea out. Okay. I bought and it yeah, when I was like 13. He says, he says, well, you know, and so if you do this 19 day operation, it like brings on the apocalypse. Okay. Well, by Enochian magic for beginners, he's backpedaled. And I suspect I know why, because the other people I knew who had done the 19 day operation wrote him and said, you idiot, I did this and the world is still here. He said, well, it would be an apocalypse operation now in Enochian Magic for Beginners that would involve this, but like probably some other things. And then he's real vague. So nobody could say, well, I did that and disprove it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. He, he should have he should have called me up. I could have given some theology like apocalypse. This is just Greek for unveiling. So you're just unveiling the spirit world and therefore creating an inner apocalypse. Lou talks about that sort of right. theology in his book. Well, right. Exactly. But, you know. And if you're talking about, you know, like metanoia in the Christian context, yes. you're talking about yes. elevation of consciousness. And so there you're talking about it's it's apocalyptic in the sense of it is a revelation and unveiling you know, within your personal sphere of awareness. And I think that's basically accurate about how a lot of magic works. I don't think, I don't really have a problem with that. Yeah, it sounds like it's initiation like, to me. Yeah, it. but, oh, it's going to like, it, oh, Crowley going through the Aethers may have had something to do with starting the First and Second World War. That doesn't make sense. Okay, and by the way, let me just add in here, you're talking about Resensa. If you like Resensa and you like working with Resensa, you will love Mastering the 30 Heirs, my new book. Oh, I went through and it's... took the sigils, okay, for the parts of the earth. I mapped them onto Resensa and recalculated the names. You talk about recalculation and, and scholarship of these material now using uh, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah technologies. You're talking about computers, right? No, by hand. No, by hand. Oh, I mean, okay. You wow. take the diagram, you know, the sigils, they fit like the puzzle pieces and you lay it over the grid and then you construct the name based on the letters it touches. I mean, just like, like, like Hulse did the opposite thing in um, okay. the key of it all book two. Uh, David Allen Hulse, if you're familiar yeah, with yeah. that at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what he did is he took the 1585 Libra Scientia, which is where D lays out like what the parts of the earth are and their sigils. Okay. And he rebuilt his own great table from the sigils in Scientia, which has some changes. So probably you know, accurate as of 1585. So I'm like, okay, well, Resensa is 1587. So I'm going to take Resensa, I'll map the sigils on. And about, for the parts of the earth, about 20 of the names change, mostly by one letter, but there are changes. Oh, interesting. Well, I definitely look forward to that. I, I do love the airs or the acres. Um, my first time I did, you'll like this because you're all about practical use of Enochian magic mm-hmm. rather than just talking to Ave and having, you know, t- finding out if your marriage is going to work out or if you're right. going to become the, the new messiah. Um, 
which is always they fun. always say yes <laughs> but yeah you are a special unique snowflake <laughs> that's right because you are every man and woman's a star baby love is the law <laughs> um what was i guess we're just having too much fun oh my god um <laughs> that's okay but you know uh um, the first time you'll like this. The first time I did money magic was in an aether in tech. Okay. And I was doing the operation with lawn in Vancouver here. And a okay. bunch of people were there, of course. Um, and I have a lot I could say about that, but I'm not going to waste your precious time. Um, but I did, I did in that, in that aether, I was recommended, Hey, why not try, um, to do some, some like, you know, if you need some, you need, I needed money then. And, uh, Mm-hmm. I in the aether I you know did workings to make that happen I even visited some like elemental sort of kingdoms in there and saw the state of my own internal elemental things but then mm-hmm. I did money magic woke up the next day to $1,300 it being my account from uh some someone I hadn't talked to in five years from my from my dad who I hadn't talked to in five years and had no reason awesome. to think why he would do that but clearly the angels were went went over to him and sort of gave him a little nudge and be like mm-hmm. yo, yeah yo, yo deadbeat <laughs> you know kick, kick a few bucks over i don't know it just it was magic oh, yeah, man just, it was there's no yeah. there was nothing i could have ever said to him that would mm-hmm. <laughs> make him he wouldn't talk we didn't talk we were estranged right right the magic yeah. did it mm-hmm. and then the next time i did money magic was actually just recently in january i used a shem angel though and within mm-hmm. five minutes the same amount of money cool. that's great so this stuff does have a very uh shocking result in our lives for some reason mm-hmm. um i like yeah and i mean I love yeah, I mean, I've done, I've done that too, doing like the spirit vision kind of thing. You're projected to the realm of a spirit and do something yeah. practical like that, you know, with aethers also just with the general like path working kind of astral yes. stuff. I've done that. Yeah. yeah. Gotten good results with that. Yeah. Yeah. It works. And you know, if you're, if lawns, the operator doesn't hurt. Right. Um, <laughs> right. He actually took me and Chris Bennett after to our first Gnostic maths with, with our friend, Troy Sprue, who does us okay. stuff. Cause we're all, we're all mates. And and to my first Gnostic mass and it was like the anniversary of the of the Libra mm-hmm. so that was cool to see that um just a side note I'm, I'm just sucking mm-hmm. up to a thelemite who I don't have that yeah we have, we have <laughs> limited stuff in common I guess so it's nice to connect I'm one of the well, people on people I think who's trying to actively build bridges between um Thelemic OTO and all those different mm-hmm. branches on the grounds of hermeticism and we're doing the same sort mm-hmm. of work and is I in the my day the golden dawn didn't let uh Thelemic people in and I I've grown to think that's mm-hmm. a mistake we should have let them in just as like keep your religion sort of in your own thing just like if you're any other mm-hmm. religion don't go talking about joseph smith if you're a mormon when you're at golden dawn right it's right? like you know they, they push it as this masonic yeah. you know it's not related to a religion and you could join if you're any religion but this one <laughs> it's like so, oh okay so, and you know and i've held that for for many years myself when i was even a uh, temple chief and it, it it's sad to think but as big as as uh hermetic order the golden dawn international which i was part of also known in the states for a while as homesy right um mm-hmm. as big as it got can you imagine how big it would have been if they if we had opened the doors to oto and thelemic people that would have been smart mm-hmm. actually it would have gotten maybe too big to fail um of course the real problem with it was was zinky poo so anyway yeah yeah he's my godfather for better or for worse but that's okay it. We're, we're even yeah. we're very estranged but you know i yeah i hope he sorts things out in his the hereafter I don't know. Yeah, I've 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 heard some stories about him. I haven't seen direct awful, interaction awful. with him like I have with Griffin, but you know. Yeah. Like... No. No. Yeah. 
yeah no no one is one is gross the other is like hardcore criminal <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. so um yeah so when you say still as modern magicians with access to advanced tech advanced information technology it is now possible for us to go back to the original material perform a comprehensive review so when you say advanced information technology are you talking though about uh, some computer usage to under decode parts of the enochian system um well, possibly you just methodologies I'm, that you're aware of. I'm mostly talking about, okay, we have the internet. You can go yeah. to my blog. You can click on Enochian source material. It goes over to the other blog that has it then click on the scan from the British Museum, blow it up and say, all right, here's the word. What does it look like? The fact that we could do that is unbelievable. I mean, it when is. Mathers was putting together the system back, you know, the Golden Dawn days, it's like he was looking at the page at a time of the yeah. diaries in the British Museum and assembled that whole Golden Dawn system that way. I mean, I, yeah, it's he, remarkable. It is. He he certainly had a genius for it. Can you imagine what he could have done had he been alive today uh, with his yeah. and maybe not had to hide his sexuality and stuff? He might have just been a very well, different character, that too, much possibly, more fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Well, that if that mm -hmm. was the case, it would explain a lot of his loopiness mm -hmm. towards the end. Right. Um, yeah, possibly. Et cetera. Um, I heard from Ryan, our mutual friend, because you did you did Ryan's uh -huh. of the obscure, and I love that dude. We we talk all uh -huh. the time now; it's crazy. Um, I just found him online, did his podcast. The next thing you know, we're mates, and I've, I've told him uh -huh. to interview people like you and stuff. But he said one thing that was interesting, and I haven't because this book got delayed due to uh, some strange disease or uh -huh. something in the world. He said that one thing that he interested him was that you work with all the seniors when you work with a, a subquadrant. Yes. Can you tell me? teach me about how that is because that's something you didn't touch on in the master class um that variation because i traditionally would just work with the one senior that i was okay working. um it's the golden dawn that's doing the variation okay well, I figure, the golden course, dawn course, right of course it is and so these original i mean these original conjurations i mean you could even read there's transliterated versions in jeffrey james that was published in 1983 it's been out there a long time yeah um the different classes of angels are all conjured as groups. And so it's like you, you go through a whole opera, oh, thou seniors of the East, so-and-so, 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 I conjure you by you know, the name of the king. Then you go around to the next one, you go all the way around the temple. Now you've got all the seniors present and the seniors rule knowledge and judgment in human affairs. So if you're doing an operation like that, you charge them all. Same with the angels of medicine, this quadrant, you know, um, angels of precious stones, angels of uh, transformation, angels of the elevated creatures and the elements. You always do all four quadrants. And what I'm, my, I am postulating the idea that, you know, perhaps what's going on is it's the idea of each of the quadrants are moving through the four Kabbalistic worlds as D understood it, oh, which yeah. is okay. So that, and that's, that's kind of a formative concept because it's like Kabbalah in the 1500s was you had, okay, so Christian Kabbalah officially split off with Mirandola in like the late 1300s. A Mirandola. lot of that stuff hadn't really reached. Oh, what? Yeah, Mirandola, Giovanni Mirandola was 1500s. Uh, Pico della Mirandola. Yeah, Giovanni Pico oh, della yeah. Mirandola. His first really, name is Giovanni. No one, no one says his first name anymore. They yeah. say, it's Giovanni. Giovanni. We shouldn't even call him Mirandola. We should just call him Giovanni. Giovanni you know, and Piccino. I, I'm pretty sure he was not as late as 1500. I yeah, might be missing it by 100 was, years. Yeah, he like was friends 1400s. with. He he worked with Ficino, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. And he was influenced by uh, the Kabbalist. Uh, what's his name? But either way. 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah no, I'm anyway. familiar with Christian Cabal and, and all of that. So yeah. it's, so it's split off with Mirandola and Ficino. And then like at Agrippa, you see like the scale of the numbers. It's not necessarily quite organized yeah. the way we see in the later Kabbalistic systems. Finally, into the 1600s, you've got Kircher. Kircher kind of breaks completely from Jewish Kabbalah. And then you've got Rosenroth who picks up Kircher and then Rosenroth is the foundational input into the Golden Dawn is my understanding. Yeah. Um, and so, but the idea of even looking at, at an alchemical standpoint, okay, so you have four tablets, you have four states. And so the idea is how I've attributed it, you know, it moves through, it, it moves through the four worlds as you go around the system as in like the four domains of matter. It's like, yeah. so you've got, you know, your, you know, you know, air, earth, fire, water, okay, are, you know, You've got liquid, solid, you know, plasma, gas, plasma. I'm missing up. Anyway, the four states of matter. I'm mixing it up, listing it off like that. But um, so it's For like you cult, get a complete manifestation. Well, I like to be more precise than that and I fumbled that a little bit. But, <laughs> That's why it's funny. <laughs> um, the point is that... Um, the point is that it's like from an alchemical standpoint, take it, moving something through the four states of matter to get a complete manifestation is not, you know, that nonsensical or unusual. And so what you wind up with is then you're basically taking it from the most subtle state down to the most material state. And so when you deliver the charge to all those spirits inside your sigillum de amas, which is like a column of force that now spans all those realms, it's like you hit the thing with all four cylinders, basically. So you yeah. can hit, so you can cast yeah. onto multiple levels at the same time. Yeah, I like that. And it is more powerful doing it that way, whether it's because you're, you're hitting it on all four cylinders or you're just conjuring more spirits because, you know, more spirits can have an effect too. Yeah. Do, but, you think, yeah. do you think that works is compatible very, will your book touch on it? Like how compatible would that be with me working with Golden Dawn tablets in my four quarters? Um, well, I would say that, I mean, probably you would want to call um, different ones from the different directions in the order I specify. Um, but I think that, you know, you should still be able to do it okay. Mm. You know, I mean, set up, I would say, you know, set up your tablet. So you're, so you, so you, you want to stand here, have your holy table here yeah. in front of you and then put the tablet on the opposite wall. I find that this works, this works really well when you're casting across the table. If you try to do it differently, it doesn't work as well. And so like, so you're going to call in the golden dawn mm. system, you're going to call, you know, you, you would start with the seniors of air in the East, for example. Okay. And so you would stand to the west of the altar, face east, and you would call on those seniors. And in fact, it's like I still have, you know, Bataivan, those seniors in the east. So that would actually be the same names as mine. You'd just be visualizing a different element or whatnot. And so so you have so you have a system where um, you know, as you're doing this. So are you doing um, fire you, in the east then? Um, yes. Oh, so Bataiva and the what I do is air is fire for you because that's the Ritensa. Yeah. But important, it is very clear in the D diaries that the kings are kings of the directions, mm. not kings of the elements. Okay. So you're convinced so, I'm using the wrong kings of the directions. Um, no, that's not what I'm no. saying. At oh, all. really? Okay. So I'm using um, the right kings. Bataiva is the king of the east. That's right. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Bad. That yeah. And so that one is they. 
some of them are di- some it's like the two the two others switch mm-hmm. because of the way the recensa is laid out and how you right. go around recensa but um but yeah and so the directions are primary and here would be my suggestion from the standpoint of what i know about golden dawn and nokian magic and bear in mind i haven't really done very much of it i've just read about it a little bit um is that when you do the thing and if you do this okay yeah yeah when in the Golden Dawn, okay, so if you are transitioning from conjuring spirits to travel in the spirit vision and you change your directions so that like, so it switches to the lesser hexagram directions where you have like fire in the east yep. and earth and going around, um, picking up the air tablet and moving it like over to the west you shouldn't do that yeah because now you're changing the direction the king's associated with i mean it's a different element yeah i wouldn't do that i wouldn't yeah but yeah it's the directions are primary i mean if you wanted to swap something i'd probably make two versions of the tablet one like with yellow one with red and then just swap mm. them like that or something like that no but yeah i mean yeah i like i i i think the idea of like of the two forms of directions for the winds or for the planets mm-hmm. or the zodiac which is what it is because mm-hmm. It's wind yep. east versus Aries fire. Oh right? yeah, right, right, yeah. And that the idea that those are like two changing sort of movable compass things that makes sense to me. That really does mm-hmm. make sense to me. I have no problem working fluidly within that. Mm-hmm. And it affects, of course, it affects like you change that based on what you're doing. The reason you're doing a, an SR, mm-hmm. SRP, for example, um, it changes where you would use a SIRH. Um, Mm-hmm. But that's that 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 really makes sense. I think that doesn't. There's no confusion there. But um, yeah. So what you're saying is, don't worry about it because the directions prime prime the prime thing. Correct. And also, um, if you are calling all the seniors, I mean, remember that. Okay. Well, if you attribute them differently, elemental. So what? You've got all of them there anyway. Yeah. So yeah. there's that. So it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When's your When's your book on the airs or aethers coming out? You know, we're in the process of finalizing it at Pendrag. I don't have a set date yet. I'm hoping right. it will be soon. When it comes out, I'd be happy to come back and talk to you about it or whatever. So that's very exciting. Um, I mean, I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to, I'm going to have to get your Heptarchy right away, of course, because this was written as the sequel to that. And the Heptarchy mm-hmm. is something I know very little about. I mostly have worked with, and in Golden Dawn, Enochian, I mean, most there's so much to do in golden dawn inner order work especially mm-hmm. um like you know unless you're an enochian specialist you usually just use what you need to use to do what right. you want to do right we work with mm-hmm. the characters we do vision work we do evocational work we do a quarter work all of that sort mm-hmm. of stuff one of them you know a lot of the main things is the initiations are fueled by enochian magic right they're mm-hmm. fueled by the enochian uh, great openings as we call them in each mm-hmm. order that's how that works so that's often done independently just to like bring in a mega blast of that element into your temple and then mm-hmm. have that fairy kingdom or however you want to see the spirit realms manifest and mm-hmm. go do what you gotta do plus then there's the table work scrying into show stones and mm-hmm. all the fun stuff you can do but i don't know much about the heptarchia i really want to know more about that's the stuff that was found almost fairy tale style in a secret compartment in a chest um i'm actually not sure if that was specifically the heptarchia it was a uh, bunch of the enochian papers okay. um it's actually it the story the story is actually in the introduction to Casabon, 
um, which would suggest that it was the material that Casabon printed up. Okay. And if it's the material Casabon printed up, it actually is covering the watchtowers and the heirs, not the Heptarchia. The Heptarchia yeah. is covered in the five books of mystery. Hmm. Okay. But I, I don't know if they were, I don't know if they were found together and it was all of these papers or what exactly, just because the account doesn't really say one way or the other. Interesting. And uh, yeah, the other thing I've worked with a bunch is the tabula bonorum, of course, um, mm -hmm. which is, I don't know where that falls in things as far as you're concerned, but it was something we were trained in a bit. And that's fine. Yeah, the heptarchia mystica is the tabula bonorum. Oh, okay. So it's just, we just, we just, in it's short, those 49 in short, angel names, oh, but arranged into a planetary thing. grimoire. Oh, uh, yeah. we always just mm -hmm. called it the bonorum because, you know, mm -hmm. why? Yeah. Okay. So I am familiar with that probably yes. more so maybe equally so well either way i love your writing style i love your approach and so like yeah you've got a huge fan here um and, oh that's uh, great yeah I'm thank you very be, much hey it's, it's it's fruits of your own work man it's not like you you know you earned it um and yeah writing style is a huge thing for me in occultism like there's nothing worse than ha a, an occult book whose information i want but whose style like just makes me want to slam my head into the wall Oh man, you know what There's I'm talking about? I'm not, I'm, okay, I'm not gonna name this one, You're... okay, but it's a book. It has, so, but it was, and not not because it, there's like Wait who just writes this really turgid stuff. This was, is it a cult book? It's written on a subject that's really interesting by somebody who really knows the subject. It's got good information in it, but it was written in this really, really informal writing style, including things like, and now I get to go over this in parentheses, tee hee. And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, you have to tell me offline who that is, though. I'm sure some people yeah. know, but I actually was playing with the idea the other day. I was like, what if I wrote something on like grimoires and I just was like talking more street? It was like, yo, mm -hmm. then I summoned this big ass angel was like, fucking, whoa. And he was like super powerful. And that really vibed my like vibrations on like it. But then I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> that's stupid. You're just stoned. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of entheogens, that, that, Enochian magic work I did with Lon was the first time I ever did magic. And this was a 2017 or 2018. This would have been mm -hmm. 27, no, October, November, 2017. Troy, Troy will know. Um, and uh, I was with Chris Bennett, the psychedelic historian we all know and love so much. Mm -hmm. um, and he was smoking a joint with some other magicians before the event. And he was like, I was like, no, we're going to do Enochian work. He's like, yeah man don't you haven't read my chapter on magic mirrors and and dean kelly like you know and they're all the stuff i was like i don't need to be convinced give me the joint and i got stoned what i did notice in doing then the enochian session with lawn and clearly it was effective mm -hmm. right clearly it was effective but the difference mm -hmm. was um it was harder to do because it was harder mm -hmm. for me to focus you know that experience when the tunnel forms and you like i it wasn't just a scrying for me i went full uh body of light projection mm -hmm. just because it was powerful and when that happens i'm trained to that happens like my arms and legs went numb i was tingling all over and then mm -hmm. i was in i was in and i was going to these tunnels but i kept mm -hmm. my attention kept wavering because my will and imagination were maybe numbed a little by the cannabis and i found i had to really focus harder than normally i would to get to where i was going and then to be mm -hmm. x um also a lot of the images i picked up at first seemed to be uh random like i saw like a, a, a happy dragon and i was like that i've never that never happens uh -huh. to me i don't usually see mythical creatures i saw this other thing and afterwards and they all appeared in certain directions almost like my my uh, astral senses were 
too scattered to focus on my task at hand, what I wanted to Uh do in that space. And afterwards, the people in the room in the exact directions of those things I saw said that that Uh is exactly what they saw. The person where I saw a dragon over there, it was that person like I saw a dragon. Someone else saw a unicorn who's sitting right there. That's where I saw the, I was picking up their visions. Wow. That's so weird, right? That's worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Like you said. Oh like, yeah, definitely. Us, definitely share what you experienced. Absolutely. But it seems completely superfluous to what I was doing in that vision work. Mm-hmm. And so, and I do attribute that to the lack of my, the challenge with focusing. But at the same time, it's not that I was just like off in the, my own imaginary realm because I was right. seeing things that other people were seeing, which is just yeah. fucking awesome in a way, right? Um, yeah, it's about your psychic senses. I mean, your psychic senses map a certain way. And when you're in a dream, when you're in trance, you know, you know, presumably, you know, like you're talking about under the influence of cannabis, um, if your psychic senses are turned on, you're going to get valid information. And it's like, that's actually the thing about one of the things I, I find kind of interesting about the people who are really into the, you must visually scry, there is no other way to do magic. It's like, well, what about people whose psychic senses don't map that way? Mine don't map that way. Yeah, I'm more. I mean, I can get myself. Yeah, I can get myself to visually scry, but I got to do like a light and sound machine with the binaural thing for about ten minutes to get my brain to do it. Yeah, you covered and, that on the master class. That's very mm-hmm, interesting for yeah. people who are curious about that. So we'll leave it. We'll leave it there for the master class. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's but cool. um, but yeah, it's like I find that when you know when you're you're looking at this, it's like so. I generally will use active imagination, like the, the spirit vision projection kind of model when I'm communicating with spirits, dealing with spirits, doing evocation, whatever. And it works fine. Yeah. And I honestly think that that's that a way in which that's better is that, well, when your active imagination is running, you're able to connect with all your senses at once. So it works yeah. no matter how your psychic senses are mapped. I like that. Whereas like visual that. scrying depends on vision. So. Yeah, I had a student once, I mentioned this in a pathworking class I recently did, where uh, a student once back in the day was like, uh, the forms are taking these, they're just forms that I feel and they don't appear. And I said, command them to appear, command them, like under the authority of yod Vav here or something to appear as visual. Uh-huh. And she tried it and it really worked. I was like, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. vibrating high stuff works nice for that too. Okay. It's like, hey, it'll hey, kind of, boom, you know. Hey, hey, yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. I am, yeah. Yeah, it's um, I yeah, it was it was funny we talked about yeah, okay, so you vibrate hey at you know something and if it's like an imaginary thing, it'll kind of go away, right? I like in, that. In the, in we covered. Path. I covered a lot of testing, and actually, my mind was sort of going blank after I did some basic testing for pathworking beings or you mm-hmm. know, evoking or scrying beings, right? And uh, mm-hmm. my mind sort of went blank with a few uh, with some of the recommendations I would normally think of, but that's a great one for those listening. Yeah, a divine name like Yodhivavhe or hey. Is really those are powerful names to use on any kind of being. And, and here's something that's interesting. Maybe you have a thought on this. Often, what happens is there's a deeper image behind the one that. Oh, there, there definitely strong, can right? be. Yeah, it's one a, image can be obscuring there's, another. There's yep. very, it's very much not just about banishing a, a false entity or an unclean spirit you don't want to. It's often, it's more about it seems like penetrating deeper into the semiosis of the reality of the whatever. Well, it's like forcing clarity on the scene that you're interacting with it's like yeah. i want to force clarity on this and mm. then it does what it needs to do feels but i had i had uh, what person some of your we, own projections 
Well, yeah, that that's kind of the point. And yeah. um, a lot of it is your own projections. And so one, one person we worked with, that was kind of a funny story about this. Okay, so say, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, things that will go away and, and they got into the pathwork and they were seeing all these like little like Victorian kind of fairies flying around. Oh, fun. And they're like, okay, they're, they're like, and they, they went, <laughs> they just kind of exploded. Fairy explosion. <laughs> so that kind of an amusing story. The God of Israel is Ehe, the exploder of fairies. That's they, right. They missed, a, they missed a golden opportunity for a good chapter in the Malaeus Maleficarum. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. If you do encounter yeah, a puka, so... you can explode it with the Hebrew name of God. <laughs> yep. Um, so the entheogens is, is an interesting thing because we went back and forth on this. Um, yep. Uh, and uh, I've been doing a lot of experimenting uh, since that, exper- that, that time with uh, psilocybin and then DMT. And uh, uh-huh. I sent you the passage about where this, the spirits hilariously chastise Kelly. Because um, mm-hmm. you're sort of famously like, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So you're famously somewhat anti-psychedelic when it comes to this stuff. Or at least you seem that way in the master class. But obviously okay. you're a liberal, open-minded guy. And let me, aggressive. Let me, t- so I let me to tell you why I you. said that. Okay, yeah. Let me tell you why I said that. Bring it on, okay. baby. Here's, here's the problem. And it's a yeah. multi-layered problem. Okay. So personally... I don't use psychedelics in my rituals. I don't really care for that. I pretty much do everything straight myself. Yeah. My first rule of magic is if it works, it works. If you've got a system, you know, that you're doing or you've done your own experimentation, it works for you. Great. I'm not going to tell anybody that they should stop doing it. Yes. Here's the reason that I, I made that comment specifically. Mm. So, and this goes back a little ways. Yes. So Aaron, yeah, you did this a while ago. And, yeah. Yeah. So Aaron Leach, in an article for the Journal of the Western Magical Tradition and in the Introduction to Secrets of the Magical Grimoires, goes to great lengths to talk about how grimoire magic, evocation magic is shamanism. Okay. Yeah. Now, okay. There are all kinds of problems with that. And um, in fact, you said it and I didn't have to. In the Journal of the Western Magical Tradition, in fact, he basically sounds like it. This is what it reads like to me. Maybe it wasn't what he intended to write, but it's what it reads like to me. Is he basically seems to be breaking magic up into shamanism, which is when you work with objective spirits and psychology. And like everything has to go into those two baskets. I work with objective spirits. I do not consider my magic shamanic. Okay. Mm. Now, later on in the article, he makes the following comment. It's something to the effect of, so working with these spirits is a very shamanic process. But he previously has defined shamanism as working with spirits. So what he actually just wrote was, working with these spirits is a very working with spirits process. It's a tautology and it's meaningless. Okay. Now, getting getting moving on from that to secrets of the magical grimoires. Thank God there's okay. analytical guys like you and me around to keep these uh, mystics in line, eh? Yeah, something like that. I'm not a I'm We're not a great scholar fun. either, and would We're make no claim. Fun, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, and so he also goes to point that out in Secrets of the Magical Grimoires. And okay, so first of all, shamanism culturally is problematic. Uh, moving past that, um, his idea of shamanism, if you compare it to a syncretic piece like Michael Harner's The Way of the Shaman, 
there are real differences between how evocation magic works and how, you know, Scharner's model of shamanism works. They're different styles of magic. It's not that you can't work with the same spirits using different styles. They are fundamentally, foundationally different styles of magic. Mm. And the entheogen comment was prompted by this. Mm. So in the new age community, people have now decided that, oh, well, like going like doing a bunch of DMT is shamanism. Okay. I have literally had somebody come up to me and say, oh, well, is there really a difference between grimoire magic and shamanism? And I launch into my thing. It turns out what they were actually asking was, well, isn't taking DMT the same thing as evocation magic was basically what they were trying to ask me. And that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. So I wanted to make sure that I made a strong statement about it because to head off that and that conversation happened to me not long before I did the master class. So it was very fresh in my mind. Yeah. I don't have a problem with somebody who wants to use psychedelics in their magical practice. I really you don't. You didn't come across that way at all. I think it, it, what I heard, and unfortunately the way, well, fortunately, unfortunately, once you go through the series of course, and I took lots of notes, though I couldn't find that notebook, but I was in California and getting back to Canada mm-hmm. during uh, the pandemic was a trick, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it imagine. did sound at one point you said, yeah, well, that's another topic. It did sound like at one point what you said was something along the lines of Dee and Kelly never did them, never used them. Um, I didn't think Dee and Kelly yeah. ever did. I so that is a revelation that your friend quoted. So, yeah, so so Leech's uh, all of his information on drugs and grimoires and magic all came from my buddy who I was mentioning I smoked the J with before the Enochian work, mm-hmm. Chris Bennett's work, which you know his book Libra Four Twenty. Uh, cannabis, mm-hmm. herbs, and magically the occult. I mean, got it. 1583 would imply that it should be in the five books of mystery. I can't find it in the Peterson edition of the five books of mystery. I don't have the book that it came out yeah. of, so I can't check yeah. that book. So, well, the unfortunate thing with um, with Chris Bennett's Libra 420, especially with that passage where Kelly says the spirits chastise mm-hmm. him for not having his drugs, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. You got me. That's freaking hilarious. Like the angel's like, yo, man, where's your drugs? And he's like, I forgot him. All my bags mm-hmm. are empty, homie. And then angels like shit and they had to just do it anyway which is good because you should do magic sober people i was anti-drugs my whole life and i did everything in the golden dawn sober even as a virgin mm-hmm. because i heard that was best so i stayed a virgin <laughs> yeah i know mm-hmm. crazy right and it was only very recently that i'm like okay i'm you know i'm older now mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna experiment systematically mm-hmm. with these things entheogenically because shamanism is when you use these entheogens entheogens is when you use psychedelic drugs in ritual for ritual purposes mm-hmm. So if there's no ritual right. involved, it's not really, it's definitely not entheism. Yeah. And it's maybe borderline yeah. shamanism, depending on whether you're a, uh, what kind of shaman you are. I mean, there's lots of shamans now. There's even Q shamans, which those, those QAnon shamans, those are queer shamans. Yeah, Q, sh- Q shaman. I think there's only the one I blogged about him, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> all oh, all, and you, the, and all I... you need to know about the Q shaman is, is the one minute and three second clip that t- Tim Dillon put up pretending to be him. <laughs> Yeah. Did you see that? I, I don't know that I have. I'll have well, to look for you it, may, though. You may be getting a link from me. Anyway, it's one okay. minute, so, and it's hilarious. Sounds good. I'd be if, interested in checking that out. If like Megan Kelly can say that that made her day, it's got to mm-hmm. be. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so no, the, but I had never actually seen that that communication. Yeah, so it's fascinating. Um, it is fascinating, but and, unfortunately, Chris Bennett's scholarship is so broad sometimes it lacks the the depth and there's no notation 
there's no source in Libra 420 for where in these material right. passage came from. And I was like tearing my hair, which was very hard to do. As okay, you can I can I can narrow it down a little bit for you because I oh, did try yeah. to do that. Because let's find um, it, folks. Okay. The, because, okay, so since the annotation for Kelly is E-K and not E-T, Kelly originally got together with D. He said his name was Edward Talbot. And so in the stuff from like, in most of this, the stuff, it, all the stuff in 1581, most of the stuff in 1582, um, Kelly is, no, is noted as E-T in the diaries, not E-K. He's noted E-K in the section that is shared from the book, which means oh. that out of that 1581 to 1583, that would at least position the communication most likely in 1583. So that would eliminate two thirds of the book. Yeah, but, I went through, um, uh, you know, as much digital material with searches as I could and I couldn't find, you know, I, I had oh, gotten all my drugs. Drugs is of course spelled D-R-V-G-G-F. Yeah, yeah and that's- but you know, like Peterson completely anglicizes that. If it oh, was does Peterson, it? you wouldn't find it that way. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I speed yeah. read the five. I speed read the five books of mystery, and unless my just to find you know, it after we minutes, speed reading is you know not quite as good anymore. Which it could be my eyes are getting not quite as good anymore. But the tricks to focus um, on I the, didn't, the big words, not the small ones, right? Yeah. No, yeah. Small, I didn't. Not the big ones. I didn't find it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I'm not necessarily you know, disputing that it's there or anything like that, but it also does occur to me that there there might be another possible explanation for it besides the drugs being psychedelics, which is one of the things that I was thinking about looking through some of the other things. So what's odd about that snippet is so so Kelly's saying, okay, I don't have my drugs, and then it's like he's asking the spirits for ointment. What did he expect to happen? Was ointment going to just appear on the table? I don't think so. And I, so I think he was speaking about something different than a literal bottle of ointment. Um, in many cases, in the five books of mystery, I just, I just speed read the whole thing. Um, the angels talk a lot about how they're, what they're administering is medicine and so forth. Um, Kelly, if you read through Casabon, he reports having all these like stress responses and stuff dealing with the angels. Mm. And, um, if, for example, so, okay, so cannabis was one possibility and opium would be another. They were used as medicinal drugs in Elizabethan England. Um, and so they were known at that time. What if the drugs he were taking was taking were just to reduce his stress level so the angels basically didn't hit him as hard when they communicated? Yeah. That would make and if that were sense. the case, he might talk to the, he might talk to the spirit of, but you know, you have ointments and so on. Basically, I don't have the drugs that I usually take to alleviate this. So could y'all like kind of go easy on me would be, that seems to me to be a reasonable yeah. interpretation as well. And I mean, he's talking to a spirit. So clearly the drugs aren't what's allowing him to scry. He's able to talk to the spirit, even though he doesn't yeah. have it. Yeah. So, well, it would be yeah, one to so think I, that maybe that like, I, I always say that the entheogens are their augmentation of ritual. They're not the ritual. Um, I know mm -hmm. my buddy Chris Bennett. Well, right, that magic yeah. without entheogens is pointless. That's where he and I disagree. Um, I think it works just great without that stuff. Yeah, well, that okay. stuff can make it D harder. Does he get better prob? Does he get better probability shifts with them? He doesn't really practice. That. I mean, in other words, you yeah. cast against a node probability. You look at what the shift is, and then you do it. Do it with the entheogen. You do it without the entheogen. Then you compare the results, and you see, well, if you get a bigger shift with one, that implies that okay, maybe something like that's going on. I've never heard of anybody reporting that though. Yeah, exactly. As far as, you know, a measurable probability shift. I actually wrote a whole other novel, Ipswich, which is about basically a drug that turns on your magical abilities. And it's, oh, it's sort of that fictionalized. Well, that's a great, that's a great yeah, idea. It's, I'm it's glad a, you ran with it. 
and it's a fictionalized, the drug is a fictionalized modern pharmaceutical that was developed based on Egyptian blue lotus. It's like much more powerful. Yeah. Okay. And I looked up because I want to find a drug that like hardly anybody heard of. So I was on Arrowhead and I'm like looking yep. through this blue stuff. Lotus, and yeah. So, and also you, you have these references, like, you know, you could reference like in the pollen heart of a lotus and some of that stuff that makes a vague appearance in one conversation. Cool. There's some stuff you could do with it. But anyway, so no, a drug that increased your magical power in terms of making probability shifts happen and stuff. I would be very interested in that. I just have not come across anybody reporting anything well, like that. Well, hopefully when, when my book is done and you can go read it, then hopefully I'll have some answers. But until then, it's going to be a lot more work before it's done. Um, uh, what I have noticed so far is that um, well, I, made, I, I, I continued my investigation to Prague that next year at, to Kelly's mm -hmm. Tower. And I ended up having to go back to Prague from Leipzig um, and spent a whole week there doing work and doing a series of lectures mm -hmm. and classes and workshops, um, uh, which my camera, anyway, it, was, it could have gone better. But anyway, um, I had a lot of amazing experiences personally. And one of the experiences was just going through their recreated, very touristy version of their lab, which was mm -hmm. reconstructed. I talked to the guide and the scholars who own and run the place and, and contribute to it. And they have a lot mm -hmm. of amazing academics in Prague. It's got a good university, Charles mm -hmm. University, right? So they actually did do a lot of uh, uh, archaeology type stuff to recreate it as accurately as possible. They even had the, the blasted uh, alembic with bits of gold on the side, which in the exact mm -hmm. place where it was found, because uh, the king, of course, King Rudolph came to see if they finally got gold. They're like, yeah, we did it. And then they show <laughs> him this broken vessel with bits of gold on the side, which they it allegedly probably just pasted there to make it look like they had it but then it blew up so they failed to keep their money rolling in because that's what they needed was their gravy train from the emperor um mm -hmm. so they recreated the place quite close to a, how it was i'm told uh to, like having their garden where their garden was and the books where the books were and the skeleton they had a skeleton there where the, where the skeleton was and what i noticed was this was really weird um having chris bennett's bit of research from leave before 20 in the back of my head I noticed in their garden right there, it was this earthen plot, like probably five feet by six feet. And mm -hmm. it had the plants that they found traces of growing and they were all mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And I said to the guy, why is the only thing growing? Why, why is their garden there? And she said, oh, well, sometimes servants couldn't get them food fast enough. So they'd need a snack. I'm like, but why is it mm -hmm. all mushrooms growing up here? She's like, oh, it's just the easiest thing to grow there. Probably. I was like, mm -hmm. Or, well, or, you or they if were it's, growing you know, a psychedelic mushroom, right? right? Yeah, it's exactly. Just, so, what I'm glad that we had to, got to do talk about all of this stuff because we're opening it up. We need to open it up. Mm -hmm. We don't really know. Yeah, it's worth opening up and investigating. Oh That's yeah, what I've done since then using psilocybin with Enochian magic. What it's revealed to me is just, you know, it, it physical visions. Like I, okay. I don't need to scry. Like all I see the spirits reacting to the ritual work in ways mm -hmm. I did not expect. I was not going into this expecting there to be good positive results or mm -hmm. anything that I would say would be worth pursuing. I didn't. I didn't expect that because again, I don't have a history of of drugs um, in mm -hmm. my magic, especially. Um, and I'm a very strong natural scryer and psychic type type person. I err mm -hmm. on that side. Um, 
and I like to not have to focus too hard. Like, you know, if, if, if cannabis makes it harder yeah. to focus, then I'm like, why well, don't I cannabis? Like, you know, it, mm-hmm. every time it makes yeah. it harder to focus. Or if I'm like doing work with the, and evoking a fairy king of Midir using Yates's evocation, if I've got like four, do- four doses of mushrooms in me, like it's a lot more intense. It's very shamanic because I'm like the whole time, mm-hmm. like, you know, for hours and hours. And what I see then is very ecstatic and very mm-hmm. visual. And with the Enochian okay. stuff, it was the same way, like portals opening up. And if I focused on them, directed different things, very specific things would happen. Specific spirits were moving towards the altar and I could just see them with my eyes. And I'm like, ah, the next step is to work, do some work with other people because I mm-hmm. think, but I'm not sure that we'll all see the same things. We might not, mm-hmm. but I'm curious and I want to find out. Um, we did a whole series of path workings with my magical working group with, you know, a group going into the same path and stuff like that, just individually using the spirit vision method, you know, without, without any psychedelics. And we saw quite a few commonalities between the things people saw anyway. So it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if, if you'd have people seeing some yeah. of the same stuff. Yeah, or just like literally be able to point to different strands or spirit tentacles or doorways mm-hmm. of different colored light above you that are opening and pulsating and stuff. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, I mean, the group mind reality is what Yates always talked about. It's what he, it's what sold him on on magic and why he spent his life in the mm-hmm. Golden Dawn um, is because he noticed that there is this thing that happens when we all do a same tatwa where there's this group mind thing that happens. And like, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's why you had your experience to do the path working things. That's a thing. And I wish science would mm-hmm. study that more. Do you actually know? We can flip into the science now. Why is science not exploring this stuff more? Like dreams, intuition, deja vus, group mind visions. What's going on? In well, um, okay. So for one thing, okay. So in academic circles, one of the things they have been studying is they've been doing a lot of studies of advanced meditators, usually from Eastern systems like Buddhism and Hinduism. Mm. And I think perhaps that's more acceptable than doing research with Western magicians because it's more exotic. Um, I mean, the Dalai Lama is like in with a lot of neuroscientists. Dalai Lama is really interested in neuroscience. And so a number of people like from the Gelugpat Tibetan sect have done research, have worked with researchers and stuff like that. Um, Now- I actually grew up um, just to say in a transcendental meditation family. So my my (laughs) other godfather is like the head of the Maharishi organization in Canada so like they had they've also used money their extensive resource to put a lot of their advanced meditators mm-hmm. through similar things but yeah this is really cool to find out that yeah they just need to move on to ceremonial magicians because we're the hardcore western yeah. ones right yeah ever tried doing a tm taking a nokian word use that as your mantra well sure you haven't I check have. it out sure i have but yeah okay because yeah. <laughs> TM, the basic tm meditation is the same thing we find in the medieval christian text the cloud of unknowing where you're just yeah. repeating the same mm-hmm word or sound right. over, and over it's it's meditation on in the golden dawn evelyn underhill printed it for her anglicans to use in practice mm, yeah. in 1915 like this mm-hmm. is the rigor this is common technique it's yeah not, not just mm-hmm. maharishi or whatever despite what he uh, sells it as right yeah i mean mantra meditation is pretty general but yeah so I so anyway i'm at 12 for wicca for a good reason <laughs> okay well you know good reasons are good reasons it's like you know i i was very christian when i was younger but they couldn't show me where the levers were to control the universe so i left it's yeah. really what the deal I'm, is I'm the opposite i converted to christianity <laughs> at 18. <laughs> okay <laughs> super weird shit but whatever it's all about the magic for me um it always has right, been, right? Yeah. you know it's mm-hmm. like yeah i want where's the yeah. levers i i, I exactly. was always curious i was always curious about what priests 
those dudes in black were new walking around their churches and around the street and had they had social power and respect and these mystical knowledges and stuff i was always curious so mm-hmm. i went to seminary and got my mdiv and trained in an anglican ch- well, church started roman catholic mm-hmm. switched to anglican after i got divorced as one does and uh you mm-hmm. know uh yeah well anglican is probably the closest thing to a hermetic church left in the world i mean the elizabethans were were involved in putting that together so there's that out there i still do spiritual direction for uh anglican seeking holy orders apparently that's Mm -hmm. still something i apparently do for some reason but (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, yeah no i'm halfway through tony fuller's uh dissertation on anglo-catholic clergy in the golden dawn Mm -hmm. it's fascinating there was a lot of them eh that was like Mm -hmm. very churchy by the end Cool. Mm-hmm. So back to science and what experiments okay. are going on. Do you know? So um, the, much of the much of what's going on is um, they're, they're continuing to do um, research on meditators with um, you know EEGs, which continue to get better, on uh, functional MRIs are the main tools that they use. Uh, they look at what's going on in the brain. So like you'll have a meditator and they'll indicate they've reached some sort of like a samadhi type state. They have a button that they click. Okay. And then what they do is they say, all right, so let's look at that. What does the brain look like when that's happening? And they've identified, you know, some of the areas in the brain where you see very heightened firing, um, like well into the gamma range. And then you see suppression of other areas. And they're continuing to look at that, trying to tease out what the individual differences are to see if they can come up with a commonality in terms of like an EEG template for a Samadhi type experience. Now, my theory is that if you can identify that Samadhi type experience, the Samadhi type experience goes both ways. So when that happens, the microcosm and macrocosm emerge together. And that means that a person in that state should be able to throw a spell and have it be more powerful. That is have a bigger probability shift in a thaumaturgic sense. But that research isn't really going on. It's still baby Um, steps sort of, or just- Pretty much, yeah. Um, you know, the CIA declassified a whole bunch of stuff that the government did with their psychic research program. And oh. I have yet to paw through all of that, but that, it's like, like said, it, that, there was a lot. That new Psychic Spies documentary really does make it possibly obvious that they have, they, they're still doing that program. They faked the death of their main psychic and it's still going on happily <laughs> and airily and very effectively. And the reason they started poo-pooing psychism, of course, is because they don't want other countries realizing how effective it is yeah that's an argument and i'm curious but it sounds like it might be true because we all know remote viewing sort of works do you know that guy that who did the was offered the million dollars for whoever could prove psychism (laughs) freaking randy yeah Yeah, fuck that guy right so i actually saw an interview with some people have always told me well that's the proof that everything you're talking about can't be proven otherwise you'd make a million dollars i saw an interview with him where he flat out says he set it up in a way so that there's always a loophole and no one could ever get the, the money. And right. He also didn't well, have it. So he's just a big liar. And if you look at the top stats from the top people who went to prove it, their top mm-hmm. results are 80, 90% across the board. Like, yeah, that's like, Here, what else do you want? Yeah. Here's the thing with Randy. Okay. Randy was a paranormal investigator before he ever founded Psychop. So he knew something about psychic abilities and stuff going into it. I have found that under good conditions, if I could throw, I could throw spells at like raw probabilities, like lottery numbers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I could throw about a hundred to one shift and that's pretty good, right? Here's the thing though. The way Randy's 
preliminary test. You have to pass the preliminary test before you can even take the real test is set up with a probability gradient of a thousand to one against. In other words, he had some idea of what the probability gradient you could do with this. And he deliberately set his preliminary test 10 times higher. And then for the money test, that's set up to be a million to one. So it's like, it's I can't throw shit. a million the to guy one. Was full shit. He was always I can't reliably throw a thousand to one. But so the fact that I can it? throw a hundred to one. Mm -hmm. Isn't uh, it? Oh, oh, I can tell you why. I know. Oh, okay. okay. Tell me why so, this guy's such a twat. Well, so th this is what happened. Pardon my French. So back in um, so he was so back in the 80s, after the Yuri Geller thing, he got really famous. Okay. And it is the spoon bending thing that is a magic trick. On the other hand, yeah. there have been other tests of Geller. It looks like he does have some legitimate psychic ability, but it's like some of the stuff he was doing was stage magic, and that's how he got caught. Yeah, and, those guys mixing the two together did us a great disservice. Yeah. And so so the thing is that Randy decided, all right, well, what we're gonna do is um, we're gonna set up, we're gonna set up this institute. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna make sure that people who are like magicians and stuff, you know can't like come in and can't like come in and fool scientific researchers because Geller was able to do some stuff that probably wasn't actually psychic. He was probably just messing with the equipment when they did some of the tests, right? Yeah. All right. So there were a bunch of scientists who said to Randy, hey, you know, we agree with you. We want to make sure that our methods are, are this good. So, um, you know, can, can we like come to your institute and can you train us, you know, how to spot these people? And Randy said, oh, no. I can't do that. That's stage magic. And those are trade secrets. You're going to have to hire my people as consultants at the rate I specify to monitor your experiments. Oh, That's what he was trying to do because basically in the 80s, stage magic was dying. And so in terms of stage magic shows, they weren't popular. He was trying to establish them as professional debunking consultants. That's why he did it. You want that, that, that paper. Follow the money, man. You usually can. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> damn. Damn, yeah. Uh, I used to teach uh, at the Golden Dawn Temple, Tahuti. I started doing teaching practicai, just very basic stuff with uh, moving dowsing mm -hmm. rods. And, of course, like, you know, if you put a pin through foam and bend some paper and put it on that, mm -hmm. that's not too hard to influence. And if you're worried about wind, put a cup over it. Those are the mm -hmm. sort of things that I always tell people to experiment with. And you know, what mm -hmm. I've noticed is something that Rudolf Steiner noticed, I think. And I was a K through 12 uh, Walder school kid, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and what I noticed is that, that, yes, our super senses do extend beyond what we know the five senses to extend beyond, mm -hmm. but not necessarily that much. Just because they go a bit right. beyond what we think they go beyond doesn't mean they can go way beyond. Just like... You know, Franz right. Barton hypothesized many things, but no one's thrown a fireball that we know of. And if anyone says yes. that they can and can't demonstrate, well, fuck off. And skeptics pull that one out all the time. It's all, yeah. Their arguments are always based on the assumption, well, if you could do anything paranormal, doesn't that mean you could do everything paranormal? Yeah. In other words, like, oh, well, if you're if you're able to do magic, why haven't you won the lottery? Well, you know, the Powerball lottery is 100 million to one against probability shift. And I'm stuck out here at a lousy 100 to one, which works great in my regular life. Yeah. But it's not going to overcome that. You know, probably the wisest thing my dad ever said, or one of the few things uh, was, was that he, he just buys one 649. Uh, that's the lottery we have up here. He buys just mm -hmm. one. Right. Because he's like, if, if you don't buy one, your chance is zero. 
right? right. If you buy, you have a, you have the best chance you have is just getting one, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're at least in the game. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but are you um, someone who buys a lot of tickets? Do- I've experimented with multiples and it seems like the spirits get kind of confused with the numbers if you buy more than one. Oh, really? I've actually had my best results when I bought a single ticket and they were able to focus on a single set of numbers. So like if you do five, it's like Oof. make this number come up in one of these sets of five. They yeah. seem to have a much harder time understanding that. Heard it here so yeah, if I buy place. it, I buy one, I do the spell, yeah. For all those people waiting for their $1,400, I mean 2000 I mean 1400 I mean whatever it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sorry about the state of your country, brother. We're all very sad to see it, what's going on. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, really, like, because uh, especially when, like, other countries, it's, like, one of the few times in the world where, uh, like, other countries are, like, really doing a lot better, which is is weird, yeah. sort of, like, what happened to American exceptionalism, or at least... I I voted against the guy, man. I did. Bernie? <laughs> or against uh, Biden? Against no, against Trump, man. Oh, isn't Biden the reason you guys don't? Well, we don't have to get into that. But either way, I think if you guys had Bernie, but whatever, who knows? I don't know American politics. No, I, I voted I voted for Bernie in the primaries too. But everyone loved Bernie. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, and no, I mean Biden is not as progressive as he could be. I would agree with you on that. On the other hand, he's really only been in office a month. That's the other thing. It's like much of the COVID response is like you know was screwed up way before he got in there. Like I said, I, I consider myself highly progressive, but that word means different things than it used to for me. So I don't even know what to say anymore when it comes to that stuff. And I've said enough recently yeah. to, to just by way. Oh, yeah, you, like, no, focus it's on the magic. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, anymore. Focusing on the magic is good. <laughs> but uh, someone today did send me a birthday present. Uh, I have my little wish list because I'm an Aquarius and and I, I, mm-hmm. I was shocked that this is the book they sent me, but it's one by Umberto Eco. I've always wanted to get never read or had. And it's it's beautiful. It's this tiny little book. Oh, there you go. By Umberto Eco. And if anyone knows how to spot a fascist, it says how to spot a fascist by Umberto Eco for the listeners. Yes. If anyone knows how to spot a fascist, it's probably an Italian, let's face it. So. Yeah, you'd think, <laughs> right? You know, it's like, whereas, you know, yeah, us down here in, in America, we got stuck with Il Duce. So, you know, it's like. Uh, yeah, well. I, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could <laughs> I could say things, but but best not. We we have way more cool things to talk about. Um, I'd like of to do a little bit, a little bit. I'd like to talk a little bit about the like the Lima OTO versus mm-hmm. Don as as methodologies as schools for magic. Um, yeah, where to start with that? Um, what's your take on the relationship today, and what? Uh, how do you see the potentials future going with with? people who are thelemic or in the OTO versus people who study magic in the Golden Dawn. Because again, people need to really, really realize that the Golden Dawn is a school that you, it's in the initiation that they tell you in the portal initiation, you are no longer in the Golden Dawn anymore. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. like, so a lot of people ask me like, are you still in the Golden Dawn? I'm like, no, I graduated in 1999, baby. Like, come on, I moved on. It's Hogwarts in my mind. It's Hogwarts. It's a great Mm -hmm great basis that touches a little bit on a lot of things hopefully you're in an Mm -hmm. active temple where you have classes that go more in depth based on teachers specialties Mm -hmm. and knowledge but overall it's just a great bedrock for people how much Mm -hmm. magic and and then of course there's recent uh critics of 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 oto and uh having or aa not having nearly enough education or not even the education that's promised like i talked to marco visconti I know he's a controversial figure, but he pointed out that, yeah, that, that my my experience was sort of accurate in his opinion 
that that there not even isn't the basic education uh, that is promised being given. But you are a very experienced and practiced magician and hardcore, and I love it. And so, what's is it? Is it just about certain groups are weaker at teaching than others, or is there really what's going on with OTO here, as far as so teaching magic goes? Here, here's what I would say. Okay, one of the big differences between OTO and schools like the Golden Dawn, or even like the A. I have never been involved in any of the AA groups, so I'm not that oh, really? familiar with them. Oh, I've wow. just so you're been in the OTO. OTO, but not AA. Right. Um, so in the OTO, I would not say that it's quite correct to say that education that is promised is not delivered, as in. We have, okay, so we do have classes, we do have, you know, you get plenty of study material that you can talk to people about with degrees and so forth, but here's the difference. The OTO is not a testing order, okay? Right. And so what that means is, that, mean, that, that means that the paradigm for teaching is very different. Yeah. And it also means that you can go, you know, right through what we call the man of earth grades, and never study anything if you just want to go through the grades. Is that basically the five elements? Um, it's that more or... closely related to um, activating the chakras in a particular order. And you can find that on our yeah. website. Like which chakras are attributed to what degrees. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so the thing about that is, is we give you plenty of stuff to study or, you know, or, okay, at least we do in the United States. Mm. I have not seen what other jurisdictions do. Okay, in the US, in US, under US Grand Lodge, you get all sorts of stuff to study and work on when you take a degree. But it's up to you whether or not you do it. And so, as you could see, well, you know, there, there are cases where somebody could say, I'm a so-and-so OTO, but that doesn't necessarily mean they've studied the material, which isn't true in a school like the Golden Dawn. Um, but I do think that from the standpoint of, you know, new eon sort of teaching, what's really cool about the OTO is that if you do put the work into it, you can get a lot out of it. Yeah. And furthermore, you could go to the lodge and say, hey, I'm interested in studying this particular kind of magic. Has anybody done it? And somebody probably has. So you could sit down and you can compare notes rather than it being you know, dependent on like the order of some curriculum or something like that, which, you know, in the AA system, my understanding is the order of the curriculum is they have that type of thing, you know, kind of like what you have in the Golden Dawn, but I, I don't know. Just one on one. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> which but, means you're really at the, the, the mercy of how good your teacher is for above you in the AA, sort of. Um, yeah. yeah, to some extent, if the to the degree that they're run like that and i mean yeah. you, you, you've got some stuff in crowley's aa description which is kind of silly especially in the the modern era which is everyone involved in the aa should proclaim their membership in it but the only person you should know in the aa is your superior and like your one student you bring in but crowley How do you didn't do like crowley didn't like paradoxes did he yeah, it's like it's something that you could do pretty easily as long as your group remains small and marginal. It reminds but if me your of... group were to get to any size, you're like, how could you avoid <laughs> running into these people? I mean, in a specific city, I mean, given that occult communities are the size they are, it's like, how is that even possible? And so I think I don't know, but I think um, some of that has been somewhat relaxed in some of the AA and AA inspired groups. I don't know that for sure. 
Mm. Um, OTO is like, there's like no problem knowing anybody. Yeah. And, um, well, you know, it's a lifelong you can study fraternity st- and that's the strength that you're talking about sort of like that. And I can't believe I sound sort of like I'm promoting OTO people. Some people are probably like, what the fuck's RC doing? But it's like, no, this is a strength <laughs> of a lifelong fraternity. It's a group you're always part of. You know, there's never any pressure for you to do this or that. And mm-hmm. you can just hang out and study and hang out with magical people. And that always seemed, I always felt sort of gypped that I didn't, oh, I should, shit, you can't say that anymore. Bleep. No, whatever. Come on, people. Give me a break. I said that word. It's not like this. <laughs> um, you know, you can, yeah, we, we don't really have that sort of lifelong uh, hangout of just people who are into magic without pressure being applied for them to necessarily finish mm-hmm. the system and stuff. So it's an advantage for, to the OTO members who have that. The only thing that has to, comes along with that apparently is, you really do sort of have to be Thelemic. I mean, if you're not, if you don't like Thelema, then that's going to be a problem. So you have to have Well, if you were, okay, if you were a Golden Dawn practitioner and you were like an esoteric Christian or something like that, but you still wanted to come and join the OTO as a fraternal order of magicians, we wouldn't necessarily reject you for that reason. Exactly. Uh, And that's something I want people to know. Yeah. I mean, if, if, okay, so if you have an issue with, you know, taking an obligation on the book of the law or something like that based on your religion, well, then, you know, that perhaps would be an issue. Yeah. I I know I could never do that. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've been duped before. I was duped by the Freemasons. They were like, there won't be any British thing in your initiation. And then they lead me up to an altar with a Bible on a British flag. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And they're like, gotcha. They didn't really say that, of course. But I was pissed oh, off. Oh, really? British yeah, flag? Af- wow. Yeah, afterwards, we're, we're, not, found- we're not allowed to talk politics in our lodges down here. Yeah. There's no See, politics in masonry in the I US. I talked to other top Masons. They're like, dude, they should have sent you to an Irish craft lodge and you would have had an Irish flag. I was like, that would have been so hard. I would have been like the most excited new member they would have had. <laughs> I was 24.5 at the time. Too bad they fucked up. They were so eager for new members. They went against their own interest by betraying their word to me. And again, if you're, yeah. you're going to initiate someone in a Freemason, the last thing you should probably do is start it off by lying to their face. Yeah. Well, this whole, this entire system is about integrity and honor. And let me now lie to you. It really yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah, right. And then the whole rest of the night was in the common room buying, having people buy each other whiskeys and toasting the queen at every drink. A big portrait of the queen on the wall, who I think is like yeah. demonic. So like, if anyone's a reptilian, I don't believe in reptilians, but if anyone is, <laughs> she's a reptilian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but no, in, 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 the States, in the States, we don't do that. Lodges are apolitical. Yeah, and it's probably they're... best. Yeah, I think so. Well, welcome to Canada, baby. <laughs> we put the queen everywhere. So, yeah, this is this is awesome. This is so great. I I, I have so much uh, to think about and study. Um, what what's some of your main occult influences these days? What are the authors you really like who are coming out and some or some of your old favorites? Like, I know there's a lot of people who listen to this who are finding their path and and trying to to move down Mm -hmm. that's that's what i really like to encourage in fact a lot of the time i just like to hear a guest spiritual story like that's Mm -hmm. something that really interests me um what what are some of the main books that guided you on your spiritual journey because you've been on it a long time um you know i would actually say that you know in a lot of cases um so i was doing a nokian before i was in the oto so, I mean, looking back at the original Enochian sources, uh, Jeffrey James, very influential, um, the Enochian evocation of Dr. John Dee, 
um, looking at the diaries themselves. I mean, it's not necessarily the kind of thing a beginning magic person would necessarily do. Um, let me see. Um, a good, really beginner, beginner book that um, some people like, some people don't, I think, is uh, The Living Kabbalah by Will Parfit. I like that one. I read that one when I was like in like I was like 18 years old or something like that. Yeah. That was a really early one. Um, I mean, I also come from a family that's had magicians in it. Really? So Let's it's like um, my great grandmother was a member of the Brotherhood of Light, not the Brotherhood of Luxor or one of the 1800s ones. Right. This would be the, um, the Brotherhood of Light founded by uh, Albert Benjamin in like the 20s or 30s. And she was a professional astrologer and medium and all this kind of stuff. So I grew up, you know, hearing stories about, you know, this great grandmother who was a wizard or whatever. I never actually met her. She died like a year and a half before I was born. Um, but one of the things that I thought was helpful is that, um, so growing up that way, you don't have any of this negativity about magic dumped on you like yeah. at all. It's like, yeah. you know, my parents were, they, they were difficult and like really difficult in a lot of cases in other ways, but magic was never something that magic was never something that they had an issue with. Yeah. Um, I had my dad like, would take me on when I was in high school. Tell me yeah. about the 22 cities that you learn in the advanced TM organization training course. We have to go. Right. Off. Yeah. And there's okay. 22 cities. And I was reading Don Craig. So I was like, what the shit? Is this all part of the same stuff? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah so areas of problem, but yeah. Ouija boards. You, no, you oh yeah results from that um i've had a lot of results from it and it taught me to test spirits really good it's like spirits oh. so spirits can read your mind and they like to lie so you know if you're trying to you're <laughs> that's trying what to it should say this, on the back right? of the box ouija you flip yeah. it over spirits they can read your minds and they like to lie have fun with they the will basically family. do anything to keep you talking they will just constantly tell yes. you what you want to hear yeah. they'll tell you oh you're the awesome chosen one and blah 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 and it's like you know part or of the problem with you ouija boards shit, is you about their lives yeah how much of the problem with ouija boards is the easiest spirits to contact are these ones that are kind of just floating around in the earthbound realm yeah. and they're either the ones who are like too messed up and attached to things to move on or they're not smart enough to figure out how to move on or it's kind of like you know it, it's like the the spirits that are like together and know what they're doing move on so what's left behind isn't really their best you know yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> So the thing is, the but you know, the spirits that you can easily contact is they tend not to be the best and smartest spirits. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, you know, so, oh yeah, I got like all kinds of material from them that I thought was really interesting. And it's like, yeah, but okay, you start testing it. No, wait a minute. They, they aren't like testing out properly. And yeah. so that, that informed a lot of my later magical practices <laughs> and oh, okay, so I know all about this. So, you know, now, now I have that experience going forward. Um, you know, in college, I read a lot about the Hermetics, Agrippa uh, Bruno and D. Um, I like their stuff a lot. Um, I studied a lot of Jung when I wasn't studying like neuroscience. And so because I, I did the experimental track instead of clinical, but I also just took classes on Jung because I like Jung. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I would say that then, okay, well, when I got into the OTO, um, I would say actually, well, so I read actually Crowley's Magic and Theory and Practice when I was in college. I didn't really get it the first time through. Yeah. Um, when I actually joined the OTO and came back, I'm like, 
oh, that's what he's talking about. This makes perfect sense. Just Crowley, you, you got to read Crowley a couple of times. He's kind of dense yeah. and hard to follow sometimes. Just last and, year in, during the fires in California, I was evacuated uh, twice for both of those fires. And I found the first edition of Crowley's audio hagiography and I started reading it. And I hadn't really mm -hmm. read Crowley since I was 12, 13, 14, 15. Mm -hmm. I just stopped reading him when I joined the Golden Dawn at 15. I know that's weird, but yeah. And so I'm reading him now as an adult, as a 39-year-old, now I'm 40. And it's so different. And it's a very much an eye-opener of the kind of the full human being he sort of was, even though it's just through this one lens of his auto. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's, it's interesting. Anyway, sorry to cut you off. Oh, yeah. And I, I guess I would also say as far as like beginner books that are good introductions to the Thelemic system, I mean, of course, I'd recommend, you know, Londa Kett's book. Yeah, um, the magic of Aleister Crowley that's you know fantastic it goes over the basic rituals and stuff like that I don't agree with Lon 100% on how, how you do some of the rituals but you know he he explains stuff really well and mm -hmm. I think that you know if the differences that I have with him turn out to be things that work better I think you know people will see him and figure about eventually and if his stuff works better for more people that's fine too yeah, people need to remember you got to start somewhere like just start right. somewhere and you know once you filled up filled up a few years of diaries you're gonna have a better sense of where you want to mm -hmm. go and, and who you want to go there with for sure um, yeah exactly uh, what what sort of lies ahead with you and and tell me about the 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 heirs book you have coming in the aethers how 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 can you go more in depth into aethers or well, it's a system of political magic designed to influence governments of countries. A lot of people don't know that. No, it's not. No, that's what you're doing. I've talked. And that's about what that it is. My, yeah, but that's, I've talked about that before on my podcast. I've talked about mm -hmm. doing that. Like you know, I can't. I might not be able to legally talk politics as a clerg Canadian clergyman, but but oh, I have a I can do Enochian magic it. to create what to influence things mm -hmm. that I think they should be influenced. <clears throat> the Uyghurs. You know, China concentration mm -hmm. camps. There's stuff. So I've been dying for someone to do more on that, and that's what you're doing. That's essentially what the entire book is. Wonderful. So you and me can now start doing magic to fight against each other politically. And theory, yeah. our capitals are in the same part of the earth, so it's kind of like we, we'd be <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, no. no in the I, new I'm, world, the parts are huge. Yeah, no, I'm more interested in trying to bring, you know, healing and relief to people in severe situations of suffering, mm -hmm. like, like uh, you know, the rise of new death camps and genocide. You know, that's more yeah. interesting to me. That would, that would be a with, good uh, thing to oppose, I, yes. I, think, I don't think, I don't see the Canadians, I don't think, see Canada and the U.S. political systems as being um, that hard done by it's sort of a, we've made our own beds in a way and we're still doing pretty well compared to the mm -hmm. rest of the world. I think there's other people yeah. who use more help than us, but uh, it's a matter mm -hmm. of perspective and uh, do what thou wilt, right? Yeah, well, that, that's my take on it. Awesome, man, dude. I'm so glad we're talking. It's so much fun. Like, you also, very cool thing that you did. At first, I was like almost taken aback, but then I, then I was like, but RC, that's exactly, you were just arguing the other day in your class to do what he did in his description of the LBRP. And I was like, but at first I was upset that you didn't include the sign of the enter, the sign of silence for the mm -hmm. LBRP, like sign of Horus, sign of Hippocrates. And you don't in, in your, your, your thing. And, I, and at first I was like, oh, he left that out. But then I was like, that's what I was just saying to people that maybe it should be left out because they are great signs. That's what a lot of people really don't realize. Mm -hmm. that the, Finding the entry of the son of Harpocrates, along with the LVX, those are great signs that you are initiated into through those ceremonies. So 
it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily make sense to do grade signs uh, that you mm-hmm. haven't been initiated into. Just like if I see what the master mason handshake is, does that mean I should start using it because that gives me access to those secrets? No, it mm-hmm. would be offensive to use it because I haven't even been initiated into that yet. So that was my yeah. thinking. So it was really cool to see that you didn't include the sign. Yeah. Now, my thinking is slightly on different on that. Well, I figured. Um, I mean, yeah. I think there. Okay. So like, like for in the star Ruby, we do that. The star Ruby, you do enter silence sure. for the quarters sure. when you do the pentagrams. Star Ruby, you're flinging the pentagrams rather than tracing them. Yes. Um, and, but, okay. So here's my thought on the less ritual, the pentagram for, I did for a number of years, do it with the enter silence. But so I've also studied Chinese Qigong in addition to ceremonial magic. Yeah, that's a whole conversation that I'm very glad you had on Praxis of the Obscure People. Check out Scott Stenwick's interview on Praxis of the Absurd where he goes into Qigong quite in depth. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So how I do it when I do a lesser ritual, the pentagram, instead of tracing it and then doing like an inner silence thing. So I put my hand down. So I, I link my body like the orbit, which you're turning the roof of your mouth, visualize the energy cycling like this. I bring my arm down like this and twist my spine to that point on the pentagram. And I still and I'm going to do that as I inhale. And then as I exhale and vibrate the name as I trace, I am shaping the chi into the pentagram. And then I just come to the center and rest for a minute and then move on to the next piece of the circle. Yeah. So it's like you're putting energy yeah. at the quarter into the pentagram. So that's, that's how I do it. That's what a lot of us silence. do in the golden dawn. It's just something that we're encouraged. We encourage each other not to do in the beginning, like trace the pentagram, then sign the air. But you mm-hmm. see people, it's because we're doing so much ritual work. Inevitably, eventually, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you know, all your time. And you then, you know, stab it or whatever. Or the whorl is a common thing into the center of the shape. But yeah, the vibrating mm-hmm. with the tracing is something that's commonly right. done. I don't think I've talked about that before, but people who've watched me do ritual work, they can see, oh, sometimes he's vibrating while he's tracing the symbol. It's like, yep. Um, you know, yeah, you, you want to see me do some of that stuff. You could take, a, I do um, these elixir rituals for leaping laughter. We broadcast them on Facebook. Yeah. And again, I had to let, you know, check out, you know, the leaping laughter page on Facebook. Also on my blog, mm-hmm. I'll include, you'll go elixir, right? There are videos of them. You can see me do the lesser pentagram. And then I have a custom version of the lesser hexagram that we wrote in my magical working group. So you have a different keyword analysis based on a ritual that Benjamin Rowe put together. And then we modified that and changed a few other things about it. So you can see me do that too. Yeah, I love I love us at the vanguard of sharing our ritual work the world. I'd actually have mixed feelings on it, but I'm doing it, and some a bunch of us are doing it. So it, you know, it's a it's a boat, it's an engine I can't stop, and it's the true will just happening. So let it be. Well, we want to get on par with the physical sciences. That's what we'd like to be able to do here. Yeah. Consciousness measure is a big block. The other block is the peer review thing. Yeah. It's like you got to share the information to get peer review in the first place. And everybody keeps their stuff inside their little orders and never shares it. It's yeah. like, you know, our progress is going to be slow. Plus, we in some ways also uh, short circuit the ability of, of guru, new age gurus, gurusism. You know, if, if experts oh, like oh, us yeah. get on board, if we go online and we're like, yo, you can just download me doing this ritual for five bucks. It makes it a lot harder for those guru dudes to be like, I would show you this. However, and then you mean I don't need to pay the master Goomba, you know, $15,000 for a special ritual weekend to learn how yeah. to do the LBRP. Which involves yeah, a know, special right? sex initiation at the end with the master alone, <laughs> which is always the case. It seems with every group everywhere. All the time. Like, like, yeah, no, it'd be yeah. like us. 
you, me, and the others, you know, we know who they are. They're just to, you know, cut that shit off at the knees so that yeah. people can learn from people who know what they're doing. Just even if it has to be online right now, and in the, even if this is the new normal, mm-hmm. so let it be. It's the K.R. Deschardins nuo sphere or whatever. This is a <laughs> yeah. spirit web around the planet. And we're sharing, we're connecting. And I've seen cool things from online rich works. That guy, Ryan, you podcasted with, he did a Enochian mm-hmm. thing on Zoom with Lon. And he said it was a, effective. And he does a lot of Enochian work. That's his main thing. Cool. So he found it was powerful. And I'm, I'm curious to explore cyber magic. So, you know, I have a little free cyber guild people can go to at hermeticmysteryschool.com and just sign up. And I do a free monthly class and we share and talk and all of that sort of stuff. And I'm okay. excited that to see That sounds it. pretty cool. My idea was like to basically, because modern magic left me hanging dry, I felt. Um, and so I was lucky mm-hmm. to kick ass temple to join that was started by mm-hmm. Adar Ka, who's now known as Nineveh Shadrach and a great Arabic adept. And he, okay. him and him and all the lineage from him. Yeah, I, I've seen his books. Yeah. Yeah. So he was my initiate. Mm-hmm. He gave me the motto for Adar okay, RC, Rumpens cool. Katane, which means broken of chains. And he was the guy who let me in. He fought hard to let me in at 15 because he was in at 16. And he trained okay. the actual adepts and they trained me and and then I trained others. And that's how we had this huge ass flourishing GD temple in Canada that kicked butt and was like 24-7 nonstop. It was just a best seven wow. years of my life in many ways, right? And then as all good things come to an end uh, and move on it was just uh but so i was like how can i do my part to take the sort of system that don craig or any of these books lay out and, mm-hmm. make it, and now the opportunity to make it multimedia and online on a website in an active school mm-hmm. that's just right there so that's what i did man that's that's a bit about my approach and the fact that you're out there and doing stuff with newcomb and all these things like that's what then that's the bridge building i'm really mm-hmm. excited about and I'm glad you're excited yeah, me too. about taking it to that next level and further. Yeah. Like, let's fucking do it. And there's this mm-hmm. weird ass occult revolution. Maybe it's caused because of TikTokers or Sabrina, the witch coming back. I don't care <laughs> why. I don't care why it's happening. You know, um, but if the, we get what we want, does it matter? Right. You got you know? to cast but a broader yeah. net to find some hardcore, mm-hmm. awesome people. And, and amen for that. And, the world's too up its own ass right now to really give a shit what any of us are doing with magic, right? Yeah. They're like, what are you doing? Like, well, well, well. they're like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, I know. People talk to you. About, well, I don't know. Should I be out as a magical practitioner? I'm like, okay, look, no I've one been out cares as a, anymore. Yeah. I've been out as they a magical practitioner notice. online with doing the blog since 2006. Okay. Sure. I have never had anybody say anything bad to be about it except the occasional email of oh you need to return to christ you're evil you know or whatever but um you know aside from that it's like i've had i've had co-workers who found like hey yeah that blog's really funny it's like they read it and they're like oh they like the weird news stuff it's like oh yeah this other stuff they just ignore it's like i talk about the western esoteric tradition people are like what's that i mean nobody knows this is such a niche interest that yeah yeah. And, and the plethora of info and stuff on the internet now like if you think the wrong people are gonna pay attention to like the wrong people don't care they're too busy with everything else at their fingertips and eyeballs, right? Like, oh my yeah, God, like seriously, exactly. you, you'd be lucky if people not interested in magic started paying attention to your magic stuff. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, how did you do that? Did you and do if they spell? didn't like the magic, <laughs> maybe they'd buy my fiction. I mean, who knows, right? You know? Yeah, I, I, run, I run commercials on this podcast. If, as long as they're listening to mm-hmm. the Sri Lankan commercials or whatever the app automatically inserts, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool, man. They're funding they're funding the rest of us to hopefully be able to have more physical events and retreats and conferences yeah. in the future. Because I really hope that we do have a chance to like you and me work together at retreats with people like Oh yeah, I I'd, I'd be down for that. Skinner That'd be fun. Ashy chassis. Um, and yeah, like mm-hmm. you got to do it. like, why, why don't we, why don't we do a Inokian week at John Dean of Tell in Prague? You know, that's what we got to do. That's that what would I'm be pretty doing. awesome. 2022 for Yates's birthday. Mm-hmm. That's my plan. I want to do, right. that's where I want to stage his first Celtic mysteries initiation. The first of the five, um, which I've been okay. for a long time, but I also want to do a whole Inokian magic component to that. And then you, you know, you reach those, there's people that would be perfect to come there and just like in the environment. Okay. When I first filmed myself doing the call, the portal up in his tower, looking out over Prague, I stumbled halfway through it. You can see me stumble over the word. And it's because there was like thud in the back of my head. And it, they, they, were, they were like, we're here. What do you want? You don't need to do that here. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it was a, it was a fun week of angel work. Yeah, sounds like it. Cool. I'm glad you're, you're on board with this sort of uh, this, this possible vision of the future that, that mm-hmm. a lot of us are sharing. And it's good to hear that it's, in the anima mundi you know <laughs> yeah exactly yeah what do, what do you think are the major pitfalls and stumbling blocks to new people or or avid students of our art these days um you know i think that so many years of things like horror movies and even you know stuff like the like the original harry potter movie okay yeah. people have this idea that these tiny little minutiae things about magic are so super important. It's like they have to get every little detail exactly right before they do anything. And I have questions like that on the blog all the time. Well, but okay, so what if what about doing this versus that? And I'm like, honestly, I don't have two sample sizes to tell you which is more effective. Why don't you try it and see which one feels the best for what you want to do? They're pretty much equivalent. It doesn't seem to make too much of a difference which one you go with. But like, you know, well, do you hold your hand like this or like this? I mean, it's literally like little stuff like that. Because, okay, so Harry Potter, right? Oh, it's not Leviosa, it's Leviosa, and that makes the difference. This tiny little pronunciation difference. When, for example, Enochian, it's like people have used, you know, two or three completely different pronunciation systems working with Enochian and still gotten good results. Mm -hmm. So obviously the little like tiny detailed, you know, pronunciation isn't really that important. And the corollary to that is the thing that horror movies bring is this thing where, well, if you get one thing a little bit wrong, this horrible thing will get. It's like if you get something wrong a enough, the ritual. Clatter, nick, necktie. Necktie. <laughs> Basically, I said the words. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to exactly. Darkness, brother. Oh, my yeah, God. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, so, and so the thing about it is, is all this stuff, you know. Uh, when a magical ritual, if you do enough things wrong that it just doesn't work, nothing happens. I mean, it's like it's like you put a computer together the wrong way. It's not going to boot up. I mean, it's like that. Yeah. But people get this, oh, well, bad things could happen. How about you just follow the directions to your best of your ability, see if it works the way you want it to. If it, you know, maybe confer with somebody who knows the ritual to make sure that you're interpreting the text, you know, within, you know, reason of what you're trying to do. And then, you know, from there, well, if modifications occur to you, something feels like a more natural way to do it, why don't you just start doing your daily practices? And if they flow in a certain direction, flow them in a certain direction. 
But yeah, I think that's what it is. And I think that obsession with those details could be a big block, big block in terms of just getting in there and doing the work because the secrets you got to learn in magic are experiential. It's about being in the circle. It's about actually doing it. It's about the interactions you have, the things you visualize, the things you experience. And none of that stuff is going to happen from like reading a book and then like asking like, little detailed questions of people online if like this or that matters when it's really not important at all yeah the pronunciation things like always like i've we've always said like uh you know fortunately the way we vibrate especially you know my my lineage uh you know like you can't really tell whether you know i've had students walk out of classes or conferences like what i've done large things at like uh, pagan mm-hmm. things where, where I had a student walk out because I didn't pronounce one of the names of God the exact precise way that his teacher had taught him to. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, first of all, I actually can read Hebrew and Aramaic. And I know exactly how these words were pronounced, not just then, but now and in between. And there's a wide spectrum of how they were pronounced, mm-hmm. not to mention dialects. Then there's the fact that you're not pronouncing the word, you're vibrating the word. There's a reason they called it vibrating. And mm-hmm. if you think you can in- notice the slight enunciations while you're vibrating at volume, you're not doing it right. So yeah, mm-hmm. don't, don't worry about it. You're creating a psychosomatic, physical, psychodrama reality and vibration through your body. You're affecting energies. You're not trying to you know, put in the code to a computer. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. It doesn't so need, it's not point. that precise. I'm glad you know. Fortunately, you your that. consciousness is not that precise or we'd all be robots <laughs> running around, you know, running these deterministic algorithms, you know, that would be bad. Yeah. And like with Enochian pronunciation or Enochian pronunciation, I favor Enochian because that's how we said it. Plus it's in Hebrew, it's Hanok. So it's like the guy was called not Enoch, but Hanok. So I'm like Hanokian or Enochian, but whatever, it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter at all. And especially my experience with the angels here's an experiential note and aaron leach loves making those and then saying that they equal the truth which i have a problem with that approach um you know oh man yeah, yeah, yeah. you too yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a big uh-huh. problem really is. aaron leach and i, I want to talk to him and hang out with him sometime and all of that stuff but but there's a very there like that's actually what that danger is actually what i wrote my main work on as a theologian mm-hmm. on psychoanalytic philosophy semiotics and theology mystical theology to look at the ethical problem of doing that, of basically mm-hmm. saying, I was curious in, in grad school about the issue of what does it mean when someone says they talk to God, especially like say a president or a mm-hmm. general, what does it mean when they say, I talked to God and he said to do this? Yeah, unverified personal gnosis, yep. is problematic. So I wrote a, I wrote a whole, mm-hmm. oh, it's right here. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, boom. Oh, well, that's my name, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. There you go. That's my book on on that exact issue that I cool. find Aaron Leach keeps stumbling in. And um, and, you know, I, I'm all for personal experience. We all should be. There's been a lot of amazing mm-hmm. observations that Ash and Shasan that, that Stephen Skinner have made, like uh, the ver- the reason we take ritual baths, the reason we perfume ourselves or use incense. Some of those reasons seem to be different than we might have thought but actually effective. And when you test them out, it seems to be true. Like I've noticed that it is the smell of incense that the spirits seem to like. They do seem to confirm that for me. So you do, that's, I always was like, why do we need so much incense in the temple? And to me, it does seem to be the case that the spirits find that more of a habitable environment. Um, You know, same reason Mm -hmm. ritual cleansing bath. And then there's the days of perhaps abstinence and purification leading up to it. They have new arguments for why those are things that are effective. And that's cool. 
And with the yeah. Enochian, the thing that keeps coming to me is the spirits of all Enochian angels have always told me, it's like when I've asked them, they're always, they always say, look, we sort of understand you. Like, it's like baby talk, uh-huh. however you pronounce it, Enochian. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that was like Lon said. Well, you know, imagine oh, that a mouse. That? Uh, well, this is his example. Okay. Imagine that you're sitting in your kitchen and a mouse comes in and it hops up on a chair and it starts talking English. You're going to pay attention to it no matter how bad its accent is. Exactly. 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 Yeah, mine, so mine was more like it's just like we're goo gaga, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want butter. And they're like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll work with that. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, they, they, they actually communicate by pure thought. And the thing is, it's like you're kind of parsing it into language. So yeah. it's like and their consciousnesses are not that much like ours. So there's this whole kind of thing that happens. But yeah, it's I don't think precise pronunciation has a lot to do with it. That does bring me to the other reason I have. The, I, I'm convinced there is a connection between the Enochian realms and angels and, and DMT and mushrooms is because on high doses of psilocybin and in any dose of DMT, the sound or language I seem to hear that comes emanates from another person's head or the spirits mm-hmm. themselves seems really similar to it. Like, like if you just really? imagine the pronunciation and yeah, like shockingly similar. And this is just a mm. new realization from very controlled experiments I've been doing. And I do have a cool book, which I can't even say the that's, title. too cool. That's a, that's a very that's interesting, interesting right? Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's yeah, only, definitely. It's only like, so I, on Halloween, I did a five dose heroic mushroom trip, co-terminus with sunset to sunrise, 12 hours of solid ritual work. And anyway, mm-hmm. I, I, that's something I've been doing for decades. I like doing these long, lengthy experiments where I mm-hmm. you know, alternate the same thing between a mirror. Uh, I, I have a copper scrying bowl I pounded out that I like to use mm-hmm. for water um, and then a crystal ball and then just straight vision, right? And I like mm-hmm. to test those things. And yeah, the sounds that I've always heard and then looking at it compared to Enochian, especially how it's written, like even some of the shapes of the letters, all mm-hmm. the letters you notice are all sort of circular vibey, very, very similar mm-hmm. to what you see on high doses of mushrooms or maybe for some people low doses as well. And that's just worth exploring. That's just worth exploring. Oh, yeah, it's definitely an observation that is a potential signpost for future research. I would agree on that. Right. Because what if what if Dee and Kelly were transcribing something they heard initially through large doses of psilocybin? It's totally it's it's totally it's possible. possible, entirely possible. We don't know and we probably won't mm-hmm. ever know, but we can do with the experiments ourselves. That's for sure. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, better to do the experiments anyway than, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't historically, but, you know, yeah. do the experiments, get yeah. the results, you got the results. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they could only, like, a lot of people are, are doing this golden age syndrome these days, like, oh, I've seen people in golden dawn forms, I only dip my head in for one second, because, come on, Facebook. Um, but people are, you know, I see people lamenting, oh, if only we had magical schools, like in the days of the golden dawn, or the, the original Freemasons. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking They're about? They're all over the we place. We have yeah. way more in-depth, hardcore work and schools and systems and temples and lodges and covens and, and drum circles and circle jerks and everything you could possibly want. You want to join a Gnostic the original, session, you'll find one. Yeah. The original Golden Dawn had about 350 members or something like that is what I read at one point. It's like, it's, it was not a large organization. Yeah. And I mean, there are so many more people involved in that stuff today. Yeah. 
yeah, our the Homsi Golden Dawn International, we were well way over a thousand members. That's why we were able to do international events, seven days of straight mm -hmm. magic for no money. You could just fly mm -hmm. in, be put up, yeah. not even have money for food, you know, not mm -hmm. have to pay anything. That's the value of a large group is you can facilitate mm -hmm. large events. But then there's the, the human component always comes in and, and it, anytime you have a group of people, we all know what they're dealing with, right? So that, that's always there, but there's upsides. Yeah. But definitely, mm -hmm. uh, people lamenting that if only we could have magic like it was 100 or 500 or 2,000 years ago, it just seems crazy to me. Like it really I, does. Even the Egyptians would be envious of what we have access to today. In our oh, region. yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh, they had the pyramids and secret technology. Like, we still have the pyramids, and we have both secret technology, magic and other shit, and we have technology. Yeah. <laughs> exactly like we might be perceiving dark matter this year mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome that's pretty awesome right so yeah, yeah so for all those people who think that 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 the golden age is over it's like no man it's just begun no the golden age is now it's totally now right. all the texts are out there man you want to study anything you can you don't find have to it pay it's for like, them unfortunately yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i do but and you should too you should too. Go buy. Stuff oh yeah, I, I don't. Books. I don't pirate magic books, but yeah. So yeah. It's... Well, if you have a physical copy, sometimes you need to look up the do a search on the thing. But whatever. There's. Oh yeah, there's no, of course, thing. and it's it's just yeah, it's the the whole thing of I I just find it funny that um, you know oh you occult authors are like all so rich and well it's like okay so I am okay so. I actually am pretty well off, but not from selling occult books. Okay, yeah. You know, for, for, for being that's, an information that's from technology your consultant, sex cult, we right? make a good we make a good living. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so it's like no, it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the small number of occult books I sell every year. <laughs> right, but um, we thank you for your service in in making them and. Uh, and it's it's a good thing. The other thing I hear people complain about is like you know you can't find any any reputable magicians much at all. Blah blah blah. And all the ones, the, all the initiates from the systems are, are scandalous people who are are not. Skinner's mentioned this are are not any example of any kind of sainthood at all. But I I I like to think respond to that as like well I'm actually from my experience in the initiatory worlds. There's a lot of people who I would say do actually sort of border on sainthood a little bit. Like I think the concept mm -hmm. is pretty ridiculous in the first place. But mm -hmm. but there are those people. But they're not on Facebook. They're not on YouTube. <laughs> Guess why? Because all this shit that we do takes a lot of time. And if you're also running initiations or teaching classes. You don't have time for that that public noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the great people are out there doing it. And if someone's out just out in the public sphere talking about it, chances are they're not doing that much ritual work. And I'm aware of what I'm saying when I say that mm -hmm. on my podcast. Yeah, if I'm podcast, yes. I'm not doing it, but I'm not in, in a position to do have a space right now. So it really works mm -hmm. out since COVID. And that'll change. That'll change. And if you don't mm -hmm. see me doing podcasts more than once a week eventually, you'll know the reason why right well there you go right yeah, you know, there's better things to do it's a thing yeah magic is a big commitment like my years in, mm -hmm. the, in, in like you know it's it was not uncommon to do two three hours of ritual work in a night easy if not more it, it's very it's it's that amount of time and dedication that people do put into it and those people are out there so those people listening can know you can find those people who who do this mm -hmm. stuff that seriously and are testing it and exploring new realms and scott you, you're apparently one of them yeah 
Well, you know, I, I, I like to think I am. I'll say that, you yeah. know, I've well, basically, the, I'm a guy who likes to do cool stuff and that's kind of, yeah. you know, where I'm coming at, you know, yeah. it's a technology. It involves consciousness in the mind. I find that whole thing fascinating and I like to make stuff happen. It's cool. So maybe you and me can find ourselves one day at the top of John D's tower on a bunch of mushrooms. Well, that might be an interesting thing. Well, now I'm not going to say might, that would be an interesting <laughs> would be thing. interesting. But, yes. Mm, we'll, it depends, well, it depends on it depends on you. And by the way, I don't mean that in a Minnesota interesting. So Minnesotans have this thing. I don't know if you have a, oh, that's interesting. What we're really thinking is, I hope you die. <laughs> we're like famous for that. Okay? That's what Canadians mean when we say way. sorry. When we're like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you get well, a Canadian yeah. to apologize? Bump into them. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're on that border. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah exactly. When we say but, when, you, when you plow through a pile of Canadians and you hear everyone that you shoulder say sorry, that's not what we mean. What we mean is what you said. <laughs> yeah, fuck, exactly. fuck off and die. Fuck off and die. Go fuck yourself <laughs> and die. Hi, fuck you. Die. Yeah. But no, when I say interesting, I mean, legitimately yes, interesting. Yes. So, yeah. yeah well, that would be interesting. And that would be a very cool thing to have happen. Hey, if we can get our if we can get the key to the tower for a whole night and have a safe space, as they say, why not? Um, that's what happened last time I was there doing this stuff. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was pretty phenomenal, man. I'm just excited. I think I think the, and the, the magical community is not taking advantage of that place. And it's cool little bar with all alchemical stuff on the wall and drinks that are all oh man they totally should oh yeah so but no it's up to us like the rental cost there for Prague is nothing and the hotel attached Mm -hmm. to it is run by an American dude who has a very slow down season in the colder months so it's like they're totally game it just requires us to be like yo can people save up to go to Prague for a week or something like that and that's totally doable so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not keeping that under wraps so that I can just take advantage of it I think people should take advantage of it like I'd love oh yeah I, no, I, if definitely someone, someone like you and other posted people on that yeah like you know if other people well let's team up and make it happen so like we just we only, you only need like 30 people paying a very very reasonable amount to make it feasible. Mm-hmm. like because we're, if we're as, like you said we're not in it for we're not going full griffin extortion on it like you know it's, right it's really, yeah. you can make it quite reasonable well, each of you will pay twenty-five. No, 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 forty-nine thousand dollars. You know, it's forty-nine in the Benorum. and so. Well, Griffin would say sixty-nine because he knows what you, <laughs> you know what he's really thinking. No, sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like you know, yeah, yeah. Stay clear of you, Griffin, and you know all of that stuff. But yeah, I don't like talking about him anymore. But it happens. It just happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. So hopefully, um. Well, an adventure more in that well. And how cool would it be if Enochian would was be cool. the mushroom language unlocked? That would be so true because that would be such a, in, that would be science and physics linking to magic through a plant. And what a plant other than the fungus, like it, that would tie in the whole. Maybe, maybe you could finally translate Libra Loga. Mm. Libra Loga is not the same thing as the language of the keys. It's some other language, wow. but it's like, um, and it's never been translated. There are no English translations. You know, it would be interesting if somebody could come up with something that was verifiable against the text. That would be a really interesting discovery. That would be a big deal in Enochian magic. Wow. I can feel it's not my calling, but like, so, so shout out to whoever else might feel a tickle from their higher genius to do something like that. We, the rest of us would be appreciative, right? Um, it has to be done well, of course, like all things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not the Hay Necronomicon. That was what George Hay said he was doing in his Necronomicon. Oh, he translated Lieber Logan. It's Lovecraft's Necronomicon, and it was just a complete scam. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, you gotta love that stuff. Something better than that. Inokian pronunciation, you stick with what system? I do my best to conform to the D notations that are in the actual text of the keys from the British Museum. For the most part, the words are pronounced pretty much how, they, how they're written. Yeah. There really isn't a lot of variation. He will sometimes put a dash that represents an extra syllable. Um, he will, you know, and, and there, there's um, a lot of, like one of the things that the differences between um, how like Aaron, Aaron's angelical language books parse it out and how I parse it out is that um, he uses a lot of uh, soft Gs and soft Cs and I don't. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I discovered that I talk about in um, Mastering the 30 Airs is um, you're going through the key is um, if you look at there's some spots in the Aether key and then you actually go back and then you see it in a few other places where D in his notes used a specific superscript to indicate that. So what he would do is he would have a C and have an S above it if you were talking about a C that was pronounced like an S. And if you had a G that was pronounced soft, he would have a superscript DG written above it in his handwriting. Other places, he doesn't have that, which implies yeah. hard sounds everywhere yeah. else. Yeah. So I think that's the correct interpretation. Interesting. I did a, when I was in Portal, me and uh, Martin did a little survey of the different options and compiled it. It's on, it's, a, it's an e-manuscript on an e-book on Kindle that you can see. I'll send mm -hmm. you a thing of it where we just broke down the options and the, the logic behind it all. And, and uh, he, his and Zaleski's order ran with using actually our sort of conclusions of that. But what's really <laughs> interesting about the pronunciation debate, uh, aside from the whole fact that, you know, these things sound, when you vibrate them, it's not exactly enunciated. Mm -hmm. But the uh, scholarship that recently came out from a notebook by Westcott or someone like that, I think it was Skinner, mm -hmm. someone talked about it, where it shows that in the Golden Dawn, they didn't just do the one thing everyone always thought they did in the Golden Dawn, which is the thing that people laugh about so much. But in fact, they mm -hmm. do do a mixture of uh, what would be called short pronunciation and then sort of a, uh, emphasized emphatic like zod. And long pronunciation, long pronunciation for like divine names. It shows that they, yeah. But what obviously, if you know they were doing both those things, then you also mm -hmm. can just obviously tell that they were mixing them together as they felt yeah. in their workings they should. And that's yeah, what I the, go Yeah, because the, the Zod thing works like that. When you it's pronounce powerful. Z as Zod. It's very powerful. It's like, it's, the angel specifically explained it. Well, if it's pronounced like Z, it's this. If it's pronounced like Zod, it means this related to God. Mm. So it's like, okay, so in a God name, you pronounce it Zod. Otherwise, you pronounce it Z or a Z dash is a Zod notation in um, D is. If it's just a Z into a word, it's like Z dash is Zod. So Z dash OL is Zodol, for example. Yeah, Lawn likes to tease us golden donors and say, oh, every time they see a Z, they say Zod. But that's not true, folks. Um, but it is powerful for emph emph emphasis, emphasis. Mm -hmm. It is powerful for the use of emphasis in certain yeah, syllables. In, a in, in God names, I always do it. Otherwise, yeah. I generally don't unless otherwise notated. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, that, so for people who are uh, wasting their time with that debate, put that baby <laughs> to bed and just move on with the next ritual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about it too much. Uh, last it percent. seems like most Enochian magicians are going with shorter pronunciation, and that's been kind of a trend that's been happening been trend, for yeah. about the last twenty years. So, yeah, not a not a big deal in my opinion. And and here no. again, back to back to mushroom and DMT land. 
sound like it only sounds similar if I was to imagine the Enochian in that sort of mixture. Like like it's mm-hmm. a, like it's a multi-dimensional language that we just mm-hmm. can only we, we can see only as much of it as we can we can only hear as much as mm-hmm. our orthography allows as our minds contemplate. We're limited linguistic creatures, even especially as you know, white dudes in the West, right? There's a certain range of sounds we're familiar with and other sounds we're not. And right. I mean it's, culture, you know... we would see it in this orthography and maybe have a wider range of sounds that we can manufacture in our in our mouth and vocal cords that we wouldn't even yeah. have in other races. Yeah, it's like, well, you, you oh, can train no, yourself. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I talk about that in the book. It's like, okay, so, well, son of Borsk Gohoyad Balt. Borsk is one syllable. I train myself to say that. It's not a normal syllable that you're in English. Yeah. See, how, whereas, how, how, I obviously do, you know, uh, you're doing, well, I, yeah, I would do, well, so new feo saji go ho yada balta. Right, yeah. To be to him, zorikata, zorikata, order. But Vorsk, you can totally say it. That's cool. But I'm going to try that. You got to teach yourself to, here, okay, so here's how you train yourself. Yeah, let's so, do it. Let's do it. Um, Isn't this fun? Okay, so, oh, so O-R-S-K is a pretty easy sound for, like, like Torsk, okay, Torsk. it's like a Norwegian fish, okay? That's pretty easy for an English speaker to say. Yeah. Okay, so say say Vorsk with a K. Vorsk. Okay. And then start bringing your tongue back until it sounds more like a Z. Vorsk. 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 And you practice that, Vorsk. you get better at it. Beautiful. And wow. it takes a little while. But yeah, so you could do that. And so what I do is I look at, all right. If I hit something that I really can't pronounce, I'm like, all right, could I pronounce that? And let me look. So what are some similar consonant sounds? Okay, so start with this and then to turn it to this, what do I have to do with my mouth to change the sound? And then I practice that until I get that down and then I can just do it. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yes, I think it's very helpful for people to study a bit of um, phonology, uh, just like, you know, learning what alveolar, interdental, alveolar oh, yeah. sounds mm-hmm. how they're made because you can actually when i teach languages uh i'm a german speaker do irish hebrew aramaic and i had to learn where the tongue positioning are and where the teeth are. Mm-hmm. you just tell someone physically what to do then it works then you can do it it's very helpful to know that and just think about it that way you can research that shit on youtube i'm sure really fast and i think people should yeah. all look into that a little bit just if they care about this stuff if they don't then that's mm-hmm. yeah exactly <laughs> you know we're in it the requi- weeds with uh, with some of this it requires some dedication and focus that's definitely yeah. true it's so very exciting to know that you're heptarch- that how did i not equate heptarchia with bonorum for all these years well as you know that's one of those things i just uh no, yeah. the diagram says tabula bonorum and the grammaritan yeah. is the heptarchia mystica so well, I'm, yeah. yeah like i've only been expanding my like i've just for the last 25 years just been doing basic gd enochian work right that's it mm-hmm. so it's very it's only the last year and a half i've been expanding my enochian horizons the, that, mm-hmm. the reason for that was simply because there's other things to study you know and it's like mm-hmm. you know i i was always aware that in nokian i would have to take time later on and i that i had the joy or the opportunity the treat especially mm-hmm. i i was more a sham angels uh pure kabbalah guy tatwas and stuff like that and i was and working of course for me with things like the vault is a big thing that i don't talk mm-hmm. about i'm not going to but that's fine it, that takes years but exploring Enochian is a real gem, real beautiful thing. And then, then you even have all the grimoires. So there's a lot to do in magic and you don't mm-hmm. have enough time in your lifetime to do it all. So, so it's sort of like nice to 
to focus on one thing and really get what you can get out of it, bring it into your practice, make it a living part of your life. And that's what I'm now starting to do with grimoires and Enochian. And it's really, it's been a joy. It's been a joy, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah, I really have enjoyed doing Enochian for all the years I've been doing it. It's, it's, it's a really cool system. So cool. Yeah, it's a made up language, basically. It's like, you know, people are like, you know, that's just like some language. It's just a, it's just a made up language that some two guys made up. It's like, yeah, exactly. That's just like the and most magical thing I could ever imagine. <laughs> like 500 years ago, <laughs> these two guys just made some shit up and everyone like loves it and it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Very cool. I also, of course, uh, I, I really, I've, every experience I keep having confirms more and more for me that it might be this psilocybin spirit multidimensional language i'm not gonna go full leech and be like that's therefore it's the truth and you should accept it because the spirits told me but that's my system right but if, if, and if it's an inkling that, that you've got you test it out you experiment with it Absolutely. yeah exactly exactly i i i hope i hope this doesn't uh, sound like we've uh bashed leash at all because we, we i don't think we have we're just uh we, lo- we love that guy right well, I mean, it's like the problems with them that the, the disagreements that I've had with them are, you know, disagreements. It's like, I don't necessarily, I don't bear him any ill will or anything like that. It's just, no, oh, I just disagree with some of these conclusions. And now a word from our sponsors. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. Well, I really love that he emphasizes spirits as real beings. And I really love mm-hmm. that he puts a primacy on personal experience. Like that's what we are all saying. Yep. We are all saying that. The only the Yeah, only I agree with him on that 100%. Extrapolate a subjective reality or a subjective truth, as I would say in my book. And that's from like uh, psychoanalytics, like Jacques Lacan and Alain Badiou, the French ethicist, the idea of extrapolating a psychological truth and imposing it on someone else is what he would call mm-hmm. is the, uh, the, the evil of, of tyranny, the ethical mm-hmm. fallacy of tyranny. It's to take, because ethics are subjective and, and experiences mm-hmm. of truth are subjective. Not factual truth, but experiences of truth. Moments right. of truth in your life where you're like, I am a magician. Good, you're a magician. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean everyone should become magicians. 
right? Right. You know, you realize that you that you are a uh, progressive or whatever that means. That therefore, it doesn't mean everyone should be. No. Right. Yeah. So, so that's the ethical issue I find with uh, the danger of subjectivism and spiritual experiences. That needs to be it needs to be watched because gurus are mm-hmm. problems, and New Ageism has caused a lot of problems, and we need to. As oh, magicians, yeah. at least try and Definitely. be some kind of foil to that. We have a, a, a calling to be some kind of foil to that because ma- magicians started as scientists who had reached the reached the edges of their knowledge and needed mm-hmm. to explore beyond, and that's what magicians are. We're, yeah. we're, we're va- the vanguard of science, not the kooks in the corner, you know, humping a crystal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm glad you like that. <laughs> yeah. My only goal on this That's podcast funny. is to make my guests laugh. So thank you for being a great guest. I even got Ash and Chassan laughing, which at the at beginning, the first hour, I didn't think I would because he's such a such a hardcore stern dude. But but, oh, yeah. but but he laughed when I called him Ashy Chassis. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> okay. a lot of you guys are you guys are great. All of you heroes of the occult world who are out there doing your hardcore thing and. And we're really lucky to have all of you guys. And I thank you very much personally for being out there and giving so much of yourself as you do. And I hope you write more well, crazy. Thanks for having too. me on the show. It's been yeah. fun. I mean, normally I talk as long as people want to talk, but I feel like this is a probably a good place to sort of leave yeah. it. Yeah, I, pro- I probably should yeah, this do some other stuff this evening. It's been a good but... thing. Do you want to? Yeah, let no, me... it's a good talk. Keep Would going. You... I'd come on the show again. Let's do it. Uh, maybe even have a third person and get into some stuff. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, la- let's leave on this though. Give me your like sales pitch for Ipswich because that sounds like really fun and that sounds like something I'd want to read pretty soon. So why is it called Ipswich? What's the, okay, what's the story much of, and why should so, people go buy it right now? All right. Much of the story takes place in Ipswich, Massachusetts, yeah. which is um, so some of it is kind of riffing a little bit on the, like the Salem Halloween kind of hysteria. And I decided, well, I'll have it be Ipswich, which is so it's not Salem, but it's like kind of there. And the idea is the cooler the, so, word too. Ipswich. Yeah. So so anyway, so the, the story is about so it's, it's actually it's the second book of my guild series. Arcana is the first one, but you don't have to read Arcana to follow Ipswich. Really? Some of the stuff in Arcana, some of the stuff in Ipswich that's mentioned is like backstory stuff from Arcana. But there's enough in the book that you could read it without really having the background of the first book. OK, and so what it is, is so it's about so the main character is um, she's kind of the, she's like this rich party girl. And she's just, and her family, unbeknownst to her, long ago was part of this magical lineage that was part of this magical order called the Guild. And they drifted away from that a long time ago. But she, ta- she takes this experimental drug at a party and she wakes up and all of a sudden, basically she's a wizard and she has no idea how to deal with it. I and love so- it. Oh, I love and it. So, oh, my and, God. And so, um, so she is, so she decides, she then, you know, has some spiritual awareness and she is contacted by the ghost of her mother who died the year previously under mysterious circumstances, who says, no, you know, you need to help me because I'm trapped in this town of Ipswich. Okay. Which is where she died. So, main character um she goes she goes out to ipswich and tries to find this out she's noticed by the guild who are like oh we can detect that you're you're doing magic what happened kind of thing so she gets kind of mixed up in that 
and it turns out that there there is like a rival magical order that is like mo mostly mostly gone but like the last remnants of it are have this stuff going on in Ipswich and there's this stuff related to you know the drug and distributing the drug and it's th th there are some twists in it and stuff and I don't really want to spoil it too much but um, you know you can take a look at it on Amazon you know it's got a blurb and stuff like that and it, it's fun yeah I could I, I'd like something like that I have a novel on on Amazon that's in print um, under a pen name I recently let slip that I have pen name novels out there but they're just things I usually wrote so I could read them and they're not edited mm -hmm. or perfected, but I threw them out there. This was one I wrote while I was in Belfast, living at an oasis, teaching OTO people with the AA adepts there were like, yo, we actually don't know the stuff that you know in the Golden Dawn. Would, mm -hmm. you, would you share it with us and teach us stuff? And that was actually something I wanted to tell you just because it shows this, you know, mm -hmm. there is this camaraderie building that I think we should foster. And it was really cool. Yeah. I was like, whoa, well, I, I shouldn't teach OTO people. That's a different system. They're like, no, like we don't even study what you're doing. When like when you when you would go and do a in watchtower and SBR, SIRP mm -hmm. or something to invoke thought, we don't do that. No, like we, we might mm -hmm. do something else. So I wrote her a little novella. I do, I, I do a similar. GRP, but yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, so, so actually, I, actually, no, for Thoth, yeah. Thoth actually, yeah, if, if I were doing it under mercury actually be a grh for planet but yeah yeah depending <clears throat> anyway. on what you want to do there's well there's a lot of options and uh mm -hmm. you know i i'm we were temple to hootie so of course we've taken we've gone with we've done mm -hmm. stuff up the you know like we do have done invocations where there's a person invoke you know becoming the god in all four quarters one's the baboon mm -hmm. one's the emerald headed one's the white nemesis. you know mm -hmm. we've done all that there's lots of versions the baboon one's a lot of fun but uh <laughs> we did one like that where each person was one of the four Enochian kings oh that's pretty cool that worked really well. You might want to check that out. Prague, here we come. <laughs> and yeah, buddy. Um, cool. So yeah, I wrote this. I wrote my girlfriend at the Oasis when I lived there, this little novella about a very similar sort of narrative to what you had. But but I like your take on it more. So I have to read that. Mine was like one order is like falling and chaos magicians are taking over. So they had to quickly initiate someone straight into like master magus so they could help fight against the rise of hedge witches mm -hmm. and chaos magic. Fun, fun stuff. Okay. I, I, I love this genre of literature, like real magic novels sort of thing. So I'm really glad you did that. And I like the, I like the whole uh, perspective. That's great. What a great pitch. So folks, Scott Stenwick, Ipswich, and many other great books to find, man. Thank you for coming on Magic Without Fears. Find us, folks, online, exclusive episodes, magicwithoutfears.com, video options occasionally on the website, so check it out. And thanks for putting up with the uh, randomly inserted commercials in foreign languages that help me stay afloat. If you really want to support me, subscribe for $50 a year or seven a month, and go buy all of Scott's Enochian books because they really are uh, something special. Thank you very much. All right. Like oh well, thank you very real much pleasure. great being on yeah and uh, if you want the best pleasure. possible survey in seven days of enochian magic jason newcomb's master class is the best introduction to enochian magic across the spectrum gives you everything except for pure gd practice which is good because that's something that lots of gd temples cover books cover and i cover so yeah that's just a great piece of the puzzle for people for a hundred bucks to do that whole seven day thing with scott stenwick he's one of the teachers and actually just as we go out the cloth that people you all had a bit on the cloth that you put 
the prismatic cloth on the on the Enochian table, and you all described it the same, but then you all had different cloths. Do you have a preference? Like I saw, my favorite was the the rainbow colored cloth because I was like that appeals to the the colorful golden dawn adept in me because you know we're all about the pretty colors right but we're quite vivid with our colors but yeah. yours was a more sheer sheeny one do you have a theory about one being more correct or just is it preference and rainbow all right so my my, my take on that is this so um so the 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 stuff that um, that Aaron is quoting about the cloth being multicolored is he is digging through the conversations and the diaries that went into the Heptarchia Mystica, and he's finding this thing where the angels are talking about how it's kind of hard for it to really be any one color or whatnot. However, what Dee did when he arranged the Heptarchia Mystica in 1588 is he went ahead with the changeable red and green cloth, which is what I use. So this is John D. Take the material now. How do I think it works that he actually put that into a grimoire? It's the only part of the Enochian system that's been assembled into the grimoire. And the material in there does not talk about a multicolored cloth. Mm. It's conversations with the angels from the, from the sessions. I mean, so it's in there, but in my opinion, it didn't make the cut. So that's why I go with the red, the changeable red and green that's mostly red all right so it would be very true to golden dawn uh amalgam fashion for me to just go with the pretty rainbow color one because i like it that's very true to the golden dawn vibe hey it's like we like it like this let's have this we'll just change this why because we like it <laughs> well experiment with it see if it well, works yes it works, it works. That's, that's of course the thing that people should take away from this and you experiment with the gd system we're like wow that's the second most effective version uh, apart from what you do so that's really mm -hmm. cool i mean amen dude you're fucking awesome love you i wish you the best and let's talk soon it sounds good i'd be happy to come on again let me know what works live long and prosper buddy yeah you we'll too talk. and, and thank you thank we'll you find much. that d quote if it's the last thing we do the kelly drug quote will someone find us that we'll find it we got to find that we'll have a party oh, I... we'll have a happy hour when we do I'll find it. I just have to. I just have to buy the book, and then I know it's fifteen eighty three. So I just speed read fifteen eighty three. I'll find it. I will await your message and, yeah. uh, with a with an unopened bottle of celebratory something. Maybe. Well, message. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace, dude. Yeah. Cheers. Peace to you as well. <laughs> Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature, as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk and as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies, uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now, 
hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.